Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams, and it's nothing but the truth. One man's journey to find it, and it's November the 28th, 2015. We have a special guest today, David Weiss. We'll talk more about that. Uh, before we get going, I would like to just read a couple of verses that uh, out of the Bible. This is uh, in the Gospel of Mark. <clears throat> it says here, uh, okay, and they come again they uh, to Jerusalem and as he was walking in the temple there come to him the chief priests the scribes and the elders and said unto him by what authority dost thou these things and who gave thee these authority this authority to do these things and Jesus answered and said unto them I will also ask you one question, and answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of man? Answer me. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then did ye not believe him? But if we shall say of man, they feared the people, for all men counted John, that he was a prophet indeed. And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. And um, I fell upon that this morning, and that was really quite profound with all the things that I've researched these years and about the hypocrisy that's within the world, and that what we're dealing with heavily in this, the reason why we're so deceived in so many different areas is because of the high priests, the elders, and uh, the scribes, their love for the praise of man instead of the, the way, the truth, and the life. Now, saying that, we, I'd like to say thank you to you, David, uh, for being a part of the show today. Uh, David has a YouTube channel that you can find. Um, also, he has a website. We'll talk about that first. And uh, a radio show. So with that, first of all, and Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Mike. Cool. And uh, would you tell folks uh, a little bit about the work you've been doing on the Internet? Wow. <laughs> well, let's start with you know that your uh, the name of your um, YouTube channel uh, website and radio show go from there. So, so my my website is deep inside the rabbit hole. Um, you know, the YouTube channel is just the initials of that D I T R H. Um, it's all linked on deep inside the rabbit hole. I run a bunch of Facebook pages uh, exposing the big three, which is 
exclusively to 9-11 Sandy Hook and the Boston bombing hoaxes. Um, then I have a, a Facebook page called Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole and um, another one called Ball Earth Skeptic, which I believe we'll be getting to in this conversation. Um, all, again, all of them are found at Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole. Right. And the, uh, what was the name again of your, your radio show that you're doing with? Um, oh, with Patricia. Uh, well, I also have a radio show with um, Patricia Steer on talknetwork.com, a great alternative site to get uh, live uh, streaming um, alternative news, all different kinds of stuff that you won't hear on the mainstream media. And our show is called Truth is Stranger Than Lies. It airs on Monday night, uh, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. Um, but all the shows are available in the archive um, for free for anyone that goes to talknetwork.com. Cool. Now, I, I heard of you via... Um Globusters, and then up from Patricia's uh, YouTube channel, um, the Flat Earth and other hot potatoes. It was called again. Yeah, yeah. So, so Patricia's show, Flat Earth and other hot potatoes. She is an excellent interviewer and uh, flat Earth researcher herself, and basically she gets people like myself, like Mark Sargent, Jaronism, other people that are doing great work, and interviews them so people can see the, her, their work uh, more effectively in a in a different um, presentation. And uh, it, it's very popular, and it's a great place to introduce people to the subject matter. Right. Cool. So. I uh, we think I would like to start out with with 9/11 and some of your research, um, and then we'll go from there. Um, I don't know. I, we'll see what happens here. So, but I would um, first like to. I know you you live out there in the east, and apparently you actually saw 9/11 go down before your eyes. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal experience about that and. Uh, and what happened there? So, as in your life, so, your journey there from that from yeah. that moment. So, um, I live right on the Connecticut-New York border, on the edge of the Long Island Sound. And on the morning of 9/11, I was actually packing my bag uh, to go to LaGuardia Airport to fly to Ohio um, with a client friend of mine who was in Manhattan at the time. We we're going to meet at the airport, and all of a sudden, I heard that the first tower was hit. So, I'm watching it on CNN. I um. I call my buddy and I'm like, I'm, I, I'm not sure our, if our plane is going to be flying on time because of this accident. Boom, that's when supposedly the second tower hit, was hit by an airplane and the phones went dead. And I'm like, okay, I'm definitely not going anywhere. Hmm. Um, I decided to leave the house at that point and go down to the beach where I have an unobscured view of Manhattan and lower Manhattan. Um, it was an extremely clear day, and just with my naked eyes, I could see the entire New York skyline, which should be impossible, but we'll talk about that later. Um, and I had a pair of high-powered binoculars and was watching um, through the binoculars when the first tower went poof. It disappeared. And um, what I saw was uh, very representative of uh, the video's um, of it happening that Dr. Judy Wood shows, and you know, they're all over the Internet. There's all different you know, versions of them, but sure. that's what I saw without... Could you hear it? Could you hear the, the, them going down? You know, that's a good question. I don't, I don't recall hearing it. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, because there was, there was uh, about 12 people around me, so there was people talking. There was news radios on. 
So immediately, you know, uh, 1010 wins uh, and, you know, News Radio 88 out of New York were telling us what happened. You know, it would have been more interesting to see it without hearing it, um, without hearing, you know, people telling me what I'm seeing, because I know what I saw, and I saw these buildings basically turn into a big puff ball and just be gone in less than 10 seconds. How many miles away were you? Um, it's about 23 miles, give or take, um, from my point to the towers. So that's where you say, you know, you shouldn't be able to see it. The 23. <laughs> I understand that. So right. I'm, a, I'm a flatlander from the, the Great Lakes, so I know all about seeing Chicago from the other side of the Lake Michigan. Right. I mean, 23 miles, uh, it should be 352 feet below the horizon. So, yeah, I should be able to see some of the skyline. But I could see underneath the Throgneck Bridge and the Whitestone Bridge um, where their towers are only, I think, like 260 feet tall. And I could see underneath the deck of the bridge. So we can get into that later because that's, that's a, well, another we- polarizing subject. Well, if you ever, um, no, you have no reason to listen to my show, but there's not too many polar, as, as polarizing as my show. I really go for it. So, um, yeah, uh, the um, so you see these these buildings turn to dust with your own naked eye. Did you were you able to see uh, aircraft flying around at all? Nope. Um, and I know it was twenty three thousand or twenty three miles away, and I understand that it, that if the the possibility you actually even see in a plane hit the buildings is improbable, but were you seeing anything flying around? I wouldn't have seen a plane because of the angle I was looking at. They supposedly hit from the other side, from the New Jersey side, Um, but I don't believe planes actually hit the buildings, and what we saw on 9-11 was complete media fakery. When you asked me if I saw any aircraft, and I was looking through the binoculars, I do not recall if I saw some helicopters buzzing around. I know I saw helicopters buzzing around on television, but um, I don't recall if I saw any um, flying around the city with Mil- military craft or anything like that. Nothing. Nothing. Um, again, that my recollection isn't a hundred percent clear on that. I know that um, after the event happened, I saw um, some fighter jets whizzing by here and there over the next few days um, at best. But I don't have a specific. Um, Memory, so I don't really want to say that I did or didn't. Okay, I just you know these are all natural questions they ask. Obviously, you know. Yeah, sure. NORAD's supposed to be having their uh, exercises and etc. So just wondered you were that in that neck of the woods. So I just wondered what you were looking at. Um, what was the next? Oh yeah, I was going to think about something here. Um, sorry for the the brain fart Um so you didn't see any planes. You saw the buildings go down. You were hearing stuff on the radio. Yep. Um, and they were, of course, doing their thing, you know, their propaganda. Um, what, what did you think? Oh, that's the question I wanted to ask. I know uh, from listening to interviews and what you said that you knew a couple folks who disappeared uh, during 9-11. Um, can you tell us more about that? Because that's a really important issue. Because I keep on hearing over and over again, I, you know, there's all sorts of opinions and uh, theories, and uh, from that nobody died at all to the, the numbers were greater than what they were saying. So, but 
you know, let's first start with this, your own personal experience. Yeah. So, so what's amazing is I've been incredibly attacked for my uh, claiming that I knew people that died in the towers. And um, until that attack, um, I had never really thought about exactly what I was saying. And I've, and I've since then, and uh, I'll give them credit for pointing it out, um, I've changed my statement. I'm not changing um, – it's not that big of a change, though, because I said I had two friends that died in the towers. Well, the truth is I have two friends that worked in the towers and they're no longer here, and everybody thinks they're dead. Um, and so do I have proof that they died? Well, their families are pretty sad. Their, their sister is, is, is upset of one of them. You know, I see her to this day, and she's, she's playing a good game if she's faking, which I don't think she is. Um, is he dead? Um, maybe not. You know, maybe she thinks he is. She truly thinks he is. That way she doesn't have to act. Um, maybe they were um, highly compromised. They were working for Cantor Fitzgerald, which was a, a firm where all of the young employees there were making far too much money for it to be a legal operation. And they could have all been financially compromised and said if they don't participate in this uh, um, 9-11 event, um, that they'll be going to jail for the rest of their lives. So participate and we'll relocate you, change your look, change your name, move you to another um, place where no one will ever see you again or whatever. Um, you know, some people speculate that it was a brain heist on 9-11 to take intelligent people to run the new world in the underground cities. I don't know if I necessarily believe that's what happened, but it's... it's uh, I never heard of that one. That's a, that's a new yeah. one on me. Who's so saying listen, that? If, if you're going to build um, underground cities, you've heard about the underground cities and the highway systems that they're building underground, correct? Sure, yeah. Okay. So let's assume all of that is true, and they have massive, massive um, underground uh, living ability and survival for a small section of the planet, 100,000, a million, 10 million, whatever the number is. Um, how will people react underground? You know, who's going to do the computer programming? Who's going to do the agriculture? Who's going to run the finances? Who's going to you know, handle all this stuff? You need some brain power. You can't just randomly bring people in there and say, okay, now who's going to run this? Who's going to run that? You have to bring um, some brain power and perhaps there was some brain power that was hijacked on 9-11. Perhaps another, another scenario, these are all speculations but possibilities, is you know, how do people react um, after a, a cataclysm where most of the planet is wiped out? If they were underground, would they survive? So let's, let's take this scenario. You get a whole bunch of these people and uh, you don't tell them what's going on. You, you evacuate them. You say, we're going to go to this underground bunker. And let's say there was one that, you know, an entrance right below the towers. They all go into the bunker. And when they're down there, the only information they get from the surface is what they feed them. And maybe they fed them that there was a nuclear war and everyone's dead. And there's no need to try to escape because it's uninhabitable up there. And they're living down there thinking that everyone on the surface is dead. And it's a total ex experiment to see how people would react in a doomsday scenario like that. Well, certainly it's plausible, and it's not beyond um, the wicked men of this world, the rulers of evil, to do it, So, uh, and to play games with us, uh, them um, that way. Um, certainly <laughs> we've seen it before in other avenues. So they, their own yeah. little, uh, was it... Uh, 
Truman Truman story. The Truman Show. Truman Show underground. <laughs> I kind of think so. Yeah. Well, it's uh. So friend, Walter Feast, uh, my friend Walter Stickle says it says that you know we all live in the our own personal Truman Show, and society as a whole we live. Uh, it's it's but it's uh. It's between our ears, right, and all the crap that's been fed us. So we'll go on. What were you going to say? So just finishing up about my two friends, I live uh, right outside of New York City where a large portion of uh, businessmen and women in my town work on Wall Street. So um, it was highly um, affected in this town, and I have two people that I interact with, one more so than the other, um, that I've grown up with, seen them around town, know that they're real people, and now they're gone. Um, right. I believe that they're dead. Um, if I had to pick, but uh, you know, uh, I could go the other way based on new evidence. But you know, I think that nobody was supposed to die in 9/11, but some shit went wrong, and um, you know, some some things happened by by mistake. Right. Well, I'm sorry you lost friends. Certainly, and you know, when when that happened. I mean, how did that affect you as somebody? I mean, I find this interesting. You, you know, we hear you know, all the other stuff, but I find it fascinating whenever I run across somebody who uh, has witnessed what happened on 9-11 per, firsthand um, and then had, you know, folks who were lost. And uh, so, you know, how did that affect you, you know, right away, you know, you know, in the immediate months after that, you know, days, months? So, you know, um that, that's a great question, and, and this, is, this is where I, um, what I'm going to about to tell you now is where I kind of draw a problem when people present stuff like this as proof. Um, the two friends I, I was friends with, um, one of them wasn't that close, but I was really good friends with his best friend. So there's one step removed, but it doesn't matter. I've played squash with the kid. I've been with him at parties. I, we belong to the same health club. The other friend... Um, I'm kind of friend, I was friendly with him where I see him two or three times a year. Um, we, we, we went in the same social circles, but I wouldn't say that we were close personal friends. I was close personal. I am and still close personal friends with his sister. Um, so it's not like my best friend died. So it, it wasn't like that. Um, I, I felt sadness and remorse. Um, and I know of lots of um, family members where kids lost their fathers, but I don't know those. I don't know those people. I just heard lots of stories in my town. Are they real? I don't know. It sure seems like they're real. The only two that I can speak of are my two friends that are no longer around, um, and they're gone. So how, where they are, I don't know. Were they real? Absolutely. And, and wait, the last thing is their memorial pages on, uh, that are online – are really weird looking. The pictures that they put up there don't even look like real people. And I fully, if I didn't know them, I would say these are fabricated pictures. You know, like the one of them, the head looks like way too big for the body. And it's like a blurry picture. I'm like, why don't they put up a better picture? But I know these people. Yeah. I, you know, think about it, you know, we get, we, you know, because there's so much uh, deception out there, we have a tendency to get, I think, way too cynical and believe, you know, that everything's a hoax and everything's a lie and everybody's lying. And how easy it is, you know, we study, you know, things like NASA, et cetera, and you see how easy it is. You don't even need to study NASA. Just look at uh, how World War One and World War Two is created and how this, you know, we're in the, 
the beginning stages of World War III since with the being united with uh, 9-11, how groups of people easily uh, go into the denial and will not tell you the whole truth. This guy growing up as a Mormonite recognized completely how easy it is for a group to um, not tell the whole truth and think it's okay. So, But, you know, when it, when it comes to, like, this whole notion that people did not die, um, you know, I think that's going a little too far. I think it's... Uh, you know, why, why Why would people, the average person, which you're talking about, lie about it? I mean, there is no advantage to them at all. And everybody thinks that, that the government's forking out tens of millions to all these people to just shut up. is It's ridiculous. I mean, we know how stingy the government really is. We know how they're not well, going to fork out money for no good reason or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's so, uh, I, I believe that um, for my, from, from what I hear from other folks, of course, I wasn't there, but there's, it's hard to believe that two of the largest buildings, if not the largest buildings in the world, went down, and although it was not completely occupied, still, to think that people didn't die is, that's just taking it way too far, and really being disrespectful for the common person that died that day. So, but go ahead. So, so I, and I understand where those people are coming from, because there was so much fakery, they've just gone off the edge and said nobody died. Um, you know, because what about, you know, the three, there's like 3,000 victims. Well, about half of them don't have Social Security numbers, and their families have never stepped forward to claim, you know, their deaths or whatever. So that tells you right there half of the, num- half of the numbers are already fake. The other ones, who knows where they are? You know, um, they're, the people on the airplanes, you know, to fly from the East Coast uh, to the West Coast um, from a, on an early morning week flight is very... Uh, um, popular flight because you can get to the West Coast, get there by 10 o'clock, have a full day work. And um, there's about 30 to 35, 36 flights every weekday um, going from those major airports uh, wow. to California. And they're always booked solid. I mean, usually, you know, the day of, there's standing room only um, or, you know, waiting, you know, standby, standby tickets, not standing room only. And uh, on the morning of 9-11, there was 30... 30-some-odd flights uh, that were all booked with, with uh, um, standby lines, while the four flights that were hijacked were only 20 to 30% full. How, that's weird. And Flight 11 and Flight 175 weren't even scheduled to fly that day. Okay? Uh-huh. So if they did fly, where did they get passengers from? Why were, there only, why were those four flights only a quarter or a third occupied? And... Um, lots of the names, the, the supposed names on those supposed flights uh, have Pentagon ties, you know. So I don't believe uh, that uh, anybody died on any flights. That, well, that's understandable. But, yeah. You know, I can see that myself. So, um, yeah, you know, um, talking about that then, let's talk about the, uh, the potential that it was uh, holographic imagery that we actually saw. What are your studies and research on that as far as these planes? Because uh, they did have the tech, tech, they've had the technology for quite a while sure. uh, uh, to project uh, holograms from planes actually themselves, you know, and uh, from land-based equipment to make it look like uh, planes actually in the air when it's not. Um, so, I don't know, what, what do you think? What are your takes on that from your own research? Because I know there's a, a little bit out there, people, you know, who've kind of right between the lines. Um, 
and all. But other people say that they actually saw a plane, so that there could be the the potential, by the way, that there was a plane and a hologram, a holographic image that we saw. So it hit 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 the building. Well, yeah. at the same time, people were seeing the plane itself. You know what I mean? So there's different different techniques that they use for different viewing audiences. On television, everybody saw what was called composite um, composite imaging, or uh, where where a lot where fake aircraft were inserted into live video. The famous shot that everyone saw, I think it was broadcast on all the networks, was the Chopper 5 footage, um, where they said they were coming upon the scene, but really they were five miles away zooming in on the scene. Um, and it was the shot of the second plane coming in from the right-hand side of the screen, hitting the tower, coming through the other side of the tower, nose still intact, and then the screen goes black for a second, then there's a fireball, and the, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then when they showed that live, that's the only time you see it. Every time after that, they had all the CNN banner footage across the bottom blocking most of the plane um, going into the, to the building. And what you notice on all of the live shots that showed um, images, and I believe there was only four that were broadcast live, you don't see a plane hitting anything. You see a plane that goes around the backside of the building, passing the horizon of the edge of the building, and then you know, you're imagining it going into a building because you can't fake that part on live television. The guy on the Chopper 5 uh, helicopter, um, I believe his name is Cy Symington. Don't quote me on that. It's something like that. Um, he wrote the Avid software system and teaches the course on how to use it. And that software system is how to insert aircraft into live video footage. I mean, what are the odds of that? Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> so they're incredibly high, especially when we're talking about uh, mass media and the fact that it's used for the government and for which is a tool for the ruling elite to manipulate the masses. It's incredibly high. So, <laughs> so, so on television we saw live video compositing. Um, on the ground, there wasn't that many people around the building because that was, you know, I used to say, what about the thousands, the millions of people that saw the airplane hit from the ground? And what happens is. People were listening to television, I mean, to radio, watching and listening to television, and they're telling them without a second to spare what happened. Oh, my God, another plane just hit the tower. You know, if you listen to it all. Um, and so the people that uh, I, I've talked to, numerous people, um, and the people that were in the vicinity said, I saw the airplane hit, so you're full of crap. And I said, okay, where were you? What did you do? And, when it, and, the, and if they're honest, they say, well, I was looking at the tower. I heard an airplane. I turned my head. I looked back, and I saw an explosion. I'm like, oh, so you heard an airplane, and then you saw an explosion, and then somebody on the media told you an airplane hit the building. And, of course, you would think, I saw it hit. But you didn't see it hit. You were told it was hit. Every clue tells you that that's what happened because – in this world that we live in, you have to put an explanation on every single thing that happens. Like if, a, if, a, if a, something falls off the counter, you're like, okay, it was near the edge, a wind gust hit it, there was a vibration, a mouse ran by, my cat knocked it over. Um, you have to put an explanation on it or you become disoriented. So on 9-11, this uh, stuff that we've never witnessed before happened, and immediately they give us the explanation. You need that. Um, to sort out your reality, and there's there's really no other um, 
explanation that you can put on it. So people didn't see it. Now, there are some people that were across the river in New Jersey um, that said they saw the plane track in, and they saw it go, and they saw it hit the building. What they saw was a real plane. It did track in, and it flew by the helicopters. But when you're watching something from a distance, uh, an airplane flying right by a building, and then the building explodes, your eye goes right to that explosion, and the, and the airplane disappears. Now, is it possible also that the airplane flipped on some um, camouflage, you know, the uh, skin, you know, that they have? They, they have all different types of cloaking devices without sounding too sci-fi-ish where they can uh, project what's above the plane to below the plane. Like, you know, the, the skin is like a, a, a flat screen television and make it, make it visually disappear. Plus the fireball, your eye goes to that and you will be convinced till the day you die that you saw an airplane hit the tower, but that's not what you saw. Yeah. That's part of the problem, isn't it? Is they, you know, their ability to, um, their magic with a K, uh, manipulate imagery, and uh, they've been doing this for a long time. So, um, yeah. So, supposedly the blank, the planes hit the, the building, but you know the thing is, it all turned to dust. Now, um, the question I have for you is uh, from your research, you know, they hear all sorts of things like it was a thermal, nuclear devices, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, and I know this is a loaded question and probably an unfair question, but from your best guess, what do you think caused <laughs> those two towers to turn to dust? You know, that, that, is, that is a very loaded question, and it's not just one thing. Um, let, me just, let me just get back just touch up another 30 seconds on the airplanes. Um, the, 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 the bunkers are saying, you know, an airplane flying at that speed, you know, acts completely different um, and can penetrate steel beams, which is false. I mean, I've seen videos of an airplane hitting a wooden telephone pole and the telephone pole chops off the wing of the airplane and doesn't break itself. Um, the, the airplane went into the tower at a steep angle where its right wing tip was eight floors above the left wing tip. So forgetting all of the, the, the structural steel on the outside of that building, think about the, the reinforced cement slabs uh, that it had to go through. It should, have, it should have sliced that plane up like Swiss cheese, and 90% of it should have fallen off outside of the building, but not a single piece did. It just went in like a red-hot knife through soft butter. Um, and that's just fake video compositing. So then we're told that the... The, the fires were so hot that the buildings fell, uh, mostly due to structural failure, um, which was this guy on the random guy on the street, the Harley shirt guy, immediately said it was on the highest rated television moment ever. You know, do you know who the Harley shirt guy is? I, I, thanks to you, I do. <laughs> yeah, 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 so so that, for those of you that don't know what it is, um, literally the, the highest rated television moment in the world was the moments after the second building fell on 9-11. Everyone on the entire planet is watching it. Um, and uh, I think it was Fox or one of the networks um, interviewed this random uh, reporter, uh, a freelance reporter on the street, and he says the following. He goes, I live uh, just five blocks away on the 47th floor, and I saw the whole thing. He goes, I was watching the first build building burn when out of nowhere an airplane came reamed into the second tower coming out the other side. Then the building collapsed, mostly due to the structural failure because the fires were too intense, right? 
getting a little reverb there. Um, and and that NIST didn't even come out with that in the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Am I still there? Yeah, you're still there. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Something uh, some, something just popped up. Um, NIST, uh, which is supposedly did the investigation, they didn't even come up with that explanation for six months, which is re- just absolutely ridiculous. So now we're told that the building fell due to structural failure when the largest viewing audience is watching this. Our brains are scrambling for what the hell happened, and we are traumatized, and this is called trauma-based mind control. Um, and that's, the, that's stuck in our subconscious. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, if it doesn't, if you're all right uh, with this, uh, I brought on Walt Stickle. He's the, he has a website called Grand Design Exposed. I highly recommend all people to, to check out if you want to understand the, how the world really works and who is actually running the show here. He's the one that actually said, Mike, you got to get this guy on your show. <laughs> so he really motivated me to kind of reach out to you. But by the way, Dave, thank you for being so prompt in reaching out, reaching back to me so fast. Yeah, no problem. You know, I really that's pretty cool. So, but well, Walt, Walt's the one who you know likes to talk to you about all like the, the things that going, you know, how it would turn to dust and how he's so yeah. impressed with you and your understanding of Judy Wood and et cetera. But go ahead, what were you going to say? Yeah, so you can ask me another question or I could continue. I just want to get the basis of what we think happened and then what really did happen. So, Go hey, ahead, Walt, yeah. how are you doing? Yeah. Walt, well, are you there? Can you hear? Yes, yes. And, and uh, yes, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Dave. The reason I, um, uh, I listened to you on an interview with uh, Global Busters, and uh, it was so interesting the same how you came about with Judy Wood is almost the exact same as myself. I was watching Judy Wood uh, videos and I was just, I was really in, it was unraveling a lot of things that were not talked about. And then on the third morning, I was going to buy the book. And on the third morning I got out of bed and I said, I wonder what Alex Jones is saying about Judy Wood. And, uh, when I found out that Alex Jones was demonizing Judy Wood, I bought the book. There you go. And, and, uh, and so what I was impressed in the other day when I was listening to that broadcast with uh, uh, Global Busters is, uh, is you mentioned the same thing. And, and you, you said you, you won't really understand 9-11 until you read that book cover to cover and you – and you made the claim that you have read the book uh, cover to cover, and I haven't read it cover to cover, but I've read about three or four chapters, and I've, you know, and and then I actually put a a web page up on one of the chapters. Where did the towers go? But, but my 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 question to you, you know, is uh, is I think I think Judy Wood's book brings us down to. To Earth, in other words, on what really happened before we find out to try to figure out what they did, and uh, uh, and sure. I was so impre- I was so impressed with one of the hosts of of Globusters. Uh, yes, I was because he said he said Dave. He said I thought I've done a lot of research on 9/11, but after talking to you, I haven't even begun. 
and and that is the that is the same feeling that I have got from uh, uh, reading Judy Wood's book and and looking at all the all the evidence. The right, evidence. and you've only you've only read three chapters. Wait until you read the whole book. It is the best, amazing book ever, next to the Bible, maybe. All right. <laughs> well, that's the same impression that I had. In other words, Judy Judy Wood solved the problem. She, what what she told us what happened. In fact, and the thing of the thing of it is, I always come up to. I said, "Do you realize when I talk to somebody?" Well, first thing, before we talk about 9-11, we both have to agree that the buildings did disappear. And I was also impressed when you said on this, on this uh, interview, you were there five days after, and you walked around, and it was all boarded up. Uh, could you, could you uh, talk about that, Dave? Sure, and, and don't, I think it was around five days. It was the first day they allowed people back into the city freely, and it was within, within a week of it happening. It might have been five days. It might have been four days, whatever it was. Um, so we went down to, to lower Manhattan and we, uh, walked around the entire site had a 12, 15 foot high green board fencing and, and wood boards all the way around. Um, so you couldn't see the pile except for those, there was this one area where there was a little space and I could literally push one up, uh, one eye against it and get a narrow view of what was going on in there. Um, and it was weird. I mean, like, where did the towers go? Just like the name of the book, they were gone. And you know, and don't tell me that they put them on a boat to China. Um, that's uh, that's just a cover story for where they went. Yeah, so <laughs> it all disappeared. So um, yeah. it must, you know, when that happened to you, Dave. I mean, what ran through your head? I mean, did it register at the time? Um, that's the first question I have. And the other question I have is because you have been a strong promoter of the fact of what Judy Wood said and the fact that the buildings literally turned to dust, and it's obvious you can see it, even in the video, that you couldn't hide that or they didn't hide it. Um, you know, how has been your response overall over these years of people, you know, you explain to people that, you know, the buildings turned to dust because it's a real big yeah. issue. It's an extreme big issue. You can't, you can't even go to the next step. Uh, in this journey of trying to understand 9-11, if you will not accept the fact that the buildings well, uh, disappeared. <laughs> yeah, so, so let, let's, let's dig into that a little bit. You know, um, a lot, there's a lot of people attacking Judy Wood, and I would say um, a, a portion of them are paid shills uh, to discredit her. Another portion of them are just people that, don't, that have limited minds and, and uh, don't want to be afraid. Um, or afraid of looking at reality and they're just defending their egos. Um, her work is the only uh, forensic investigation and she's probably one of the most qualified people on the planet to do this investigation of um, 9-11. Not a single fact in her book can be debunked. But her, her words can certainly be twisted by the detractors who say, you know, she says that laser space, you know, space-based weapons, you know, particle beams, and they just totally mislabel it. She doesn't say, you know, what machine did it. She says the buildings turned to dust. Therefore, there's something that can turn buildings, steel and concrete into dust. Um, that's a given. And she shows evidence of 
um, you know, the Hutchinson effect on how it does a lot of the same things that happened on 9-11. I mean, we could talk about Dr. Wood for, for hours and, and, and uh, the anomalies on 9-11, like the toasted cars or the missing marble or the, the um, just, you know, watching huge sections of buildings falling through thin air and turning to dust. Or the spire, when the spire just turned to dust live on video. Um, if you haven't seen that, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I've compiled all those videos on deep inside the rabbit hole. Just go to the directed 9-11 directed energy page. Take your time and watch all of those videos. Um, there's some, some uh, speeches by Dr. Woods who, after me watching four or five of her speeches, I thought I was an expert on her for a year or so until I read her book. And then once you read the book, you really know what you're talking about. Well, it's fascinating, too, as you look at the videos. Um, and, uh, and it's kind of a perverse way of saying that, uh, fascinating. But, um, it's, well, it's bizarre. It's, it, you see the firemen and the uh, rescue workers and, and of all things, um, uh, Secret Service agents, <laughs> all covered in dust paper all over the place and no big chunks of concrete on the street anywhere. Uh, it's just dust, dust and more dust and, uh, um, no concrete anywhere. You know, um, think about, have you ever been it, uh, also people that haven't been to the world trade towers or in the world trade towers really have no idea the massive size of these buildings. You know, like I've seen them for years, but every time I go there and I look up, it's just awe inspiring. It gives you, such a, a, a feeling, but every 110 floor is filled with offices. On every floor, everyone has filing cabinets, filing cabinets everywhere, metal filing cabinets everywhere. So you would think in a pancake collapse, like NIST told us, that we would find tens of thousands of pancake filing cabinets, and when in fact there, were no, there was only one filing cabinet found, and if it didn't have um, red and blue file folders inside of it, nobody would have even known that it was a filing cabinet because it looks like it's melted because that's the only explanation that we have, melted from heat. Um, it was in a twisted ball of, of swirled metal, um, but there was paper mixed in there. So obviously it wasn't heat that did that. We don't have an explanation for what did that other than the Hutchinson effect, which does do that without heat. The Hutchinson effect, is that like the use of, uh, if I understand it correctly, I watched a few of uh, the videos of the guy in Canada. Um, I don't know. But is it so the use of electromagnetic forces type of thing? Um, radio waves, electromagnetic <clears throat> microwaves, radio waves, um, um, you know, a combination of these waves. And as soon as he started getting, um, you know, amazing effects, I believe, the, you know, he was raided and his work was taken away and, partially classified. I'm not sure how he continued doing work after that, but, you know, it's the same thing with Tesla. You know, he, he was, all of his stuff was taken and, and uh, stolen from him. Right. Now, um, what's your take on why, uh, outside of, you know, initiating this, uh, you know, the, uh, what do they call that, uh, not the New World Order, but, um, uh, Gosh, what was the paper that they did prior? The project for a New American Century. Thank you. Uh, uh, outside of that, 
I mean, why did they do what they did outside that they needed a, a new Pearl Harbor to motivate the America and the world to get on board with their, what I consider to be a global inquisition. But um, what do you, what's your take on it? Why did they do this? So what is, <laughs> this is the hard part. This is the hard part for our people to get around their minds around because we are taught we live in a material world, a godless material world, um, and that we're just here for one round. And you know that's the way it is. And you know you need to make money and and get things. Um, these Luciferian Satanists that run the show here, this is a spiritual war for energy, and, and money is a transfer of energy. And if you look at the $1 bill, it has like 3,000 different images on it um, that are all to um, direct your energy. You know? And people are like, oh, I don't believe in that. That's okay, you don't believe in it. The people that run the show do believe in it. And 9-11 was uh, what's known as a blood sacrifice ritual, um, where they were, they're basically stealing our energy, you know, the, our heartfelt fear energy, and that's what they feed off of. And people say, well, that's crazy, you know, stealing our energy. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. It's no such thing, you know. That's like saying to somebody in the 1800s, hey, I've got this solar panel here. If you let me put up a whole bunch of these, I can provide electricity to your whole village, capturing it from the sun, the sun's energy. And the, they would think that is equally as crazy, but it's not much of a difference from capturing that energy to capturing our heart-transmitted, you know, energy. We are these, we are truly light beings, all-powerful light beings. We are all part of God. And if we are lowered into a state of fear, we disconnect ourselves from that and we become powerless. And that's the only way they can, they can maintain order. You know, so... I always thought, you know, like, why do they need us to, you know, to give them permission to go to war? They got the keys to the destroyers and the, and the rockets and the, everything, you know, why don't you just do it? And they can't because it's a universal law of free will or the universal law of consent where they need us to pound the war drums. So they did this whole ritual, which had many purposes. Um, it was symbolizing the two pillars of uh of Freemasonry or whatever those two pillars are, um, they are destroyed and then they're wrapped into one. Now we have the one world trade um, and it's the rising of the new one world trade. Their goal is to have a one world government. Uh, their goal is to have us beg for it. Problem, reaction, solution, the Hegelian dialectic. Um, and they need to create these events so we create the reality. Getting just a little deeper and then I'll shut up is our thoughts create our reality. That's a fact, whether you believe it or not, it works. Um, and people say, well, how come I, I want a million dollars and I don't have it? It's because when you say that, you're basically saying, I don't have a million dollars. I'm unworthy of having a million dollars and I'm never going to have a million dollars. But if you put your belief, your, un, your, your true belief ahead of you, um, it will manifest in your reality. Every single thing that you have, every single thing in this world was created by a belief before it came into existence. So I believe that the, the people, in quotation marks, that are running the show here um, may not have the ability to create the world that they want, so they need us to create it for them. Or maybe they do have the ability, but they're, they're just a few, and they need the masses to create it for them. And by 
by putting stuff right in front of our faces, telling us what they're going to do. Like they broadcast 9-11 before it happened. We had every opportunity to say no, but we didn't. When you don't say no, you're saying yes. How's that? Well, uh, yeah. Well, you know, it sounds to me like a well, what you're saying is I, what I used to believe. <laughs> uh, six years ago, I used to be part of the Unity Church and uh, metaphysical Christianity and uh, the whole thing about the positive thinking and the secret and all that kind of stuff. But, it's, um, it's not just positive thinking. There, you know, there. You, if you're a religious person and you believe in um, your God, you know, that's all part of it. It can you can tie it in any way you want. I. I know um, that there is a creator. Um, what what his name is, or you know how how to speak to him, um, or what specific things to follow, I'm still a little unsure on. But uh, but I know that there is a creator, and that we all have that we're all part of him. Right. And I, I've listened to your your interviews because of uh, the flat Earth model and realizing that the world is not as they say. And that there was an uh, intelligent designer behind it that's what helped you to kind of come to that conclusion. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, and I tell you, it's funny because we have similar journeys and not to proselytize too much, but just to, <clears throat> if you ever get a chance to get around to actually studying the Bible, <laughs> it's going to mind, it's going to blow your mind away. It really is. I am not telling anybody to join any religion because it's, it will be a disaster. It is a trap, whether it's Catholicism or if it's, you know, these so-called Protestant churches, etc. Don't join the group at all. This is how Satan, which I've come to realize is actually a real being and not a, a thought or an idea or uh, attitude or whatever. It, it really is. He really does exist. This is the reason why they, um, they worship him because he's the prince of this world. He's the one that tempted uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with, what did he tempt him with? All the kingdoms of the world. Of course, you've learned about this and heard about this with the Flat Earth Movement, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, it's just, it is something even greater than that. It's almost like it's God's design. That God is allowing all this to happen. He's allowing evil men to rule evil men. And um, this is all part of their design. Um you say uh, they, they're the ones who are doing this, they're the ones who are in control. Have you figured out who they are yet, besides the generic term, the Illuminati, which is just pretty much what it is. And from my research, Illuminati is simply the ruling elite of uh, <clears throat> what turns out to be the Roman Empire. So. Well, it certainly isn't a single person that's in our government. You know, Our government are just controlled puppets uh, lower down on the pyramid of power. Um, Close to the top, I would put the Rockefeller family and uh, all you know the Rothschilds. But um, the Rockefellers uh, were responsible for 9/11, and uh, along with um, the other powerful families um, around the world that they work with behind the scenes. You know, they control everything. This is another hard one to put your mind around. The, the World Trade Towers were planned for 9/11 before they were built. Do you know sure. that they, they broke uh, ground on, the, on 9-11 for the building of the, the towers? And I believe the same for the Pentagon on 9-11? And I heard that also almost uh, 33 years to the date. So, yeah. 
There you go. Yeah, yeah, that it was uh, it was a uh, satanic Luciferian uh, blood ritual that was designed prior to. So it makes you think too. One of the things that makes me think is um, the materials themselves, because they had this design already in place, and clearly the the, the buildings were meant to fall when they were built. How did they actually build them? You know what materials. Even that question, because you and I, you know, we're not, you know, material experts. We are not the ones that examine the material. Exactly what were they exactly built on? You know, what what did they do to the material prior to uh, the destruction or, you know, it turning to dust? Maybe in the building process. So it's just a question that probably will never be answered, but... um, um, certainly, something to think about because if they, if we, if we realize that they uh, intended these buildings to fall from the get-go, they would have built it in a way as well to make sure that it would uh, satisfy their need for their sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to be um, an expert to see certain things. Like if I gave you a ten thousand piece jigsaw puzzle and I said it's a beautiful scene from the, you know, from Miami, Florida. And check it out, and you're about 70% done, and you see polar bears and people skiing, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that it's not Miami, Florida. But you don't know the rest of the answer, which is fine. At a certain point, you have to throw in the towel and say, okay, this isn't what they told us, and this, this is completely something else. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's... it's uh... It definitely has uh, woke, you know, made people. It, uh, we know we talk about the uh, mind control and trauma-based mind control and all that kind of thing, and you're talking about how it affects people's their thinking. Obviously, it was designed for that to generate anger, hate, fear, worry. Watch out, you know. If we look at Elver Pike's <clears throat> design, when my research, Elver Pike was. <clears throat> Although he was the Grand Master of the Scottish Rite Freemasonry in America, he was a Jesuit as well, and he was controlled by uh, Father D. Smith. And uh, if you look into him, he, his influence in creating a lot of the false religions that came out of the United States, along with others, um, it all stems back to, uh, to the Jesuits. And the Jesuits really are not what people realize. They are a military order of... Um, uh, the papacy, Rome, which is the number one political system or body in the world, it represents. Well, you know, the papacy is uh, uh, the head of the uh, Roman Empire today. And I know that sounds extreme, and people say, "Well, we're we talking about the Roman Empire," but it never left us. And when we look at the Bible; it talks about in Daniel that the fourth and final empire would be not the United States or Russia or anybody else, but Rome. And it's all turning out to be true if you look at. Uh, even the Pope's visit, you know, I was listening to you and Rob's Skyba's uh, interview, and I love Rob, but you know, there's things like what happened on nine twenty three, and it went over everybody's head. Nobody, could, because people are not really connected to our reality still. But what happened on the twenty third was, you know, as uh, uh, the Pope, the uh, our modern day uh, Caesar. Uh, that she, yes, he was being honored and the papal flags were being flown in the air, that uh, you, you check it out. It, it was the red coats, uh, men dressed up as 
British uh, soldiers from the Revolutionary War. They were the one that were uh, honoring him and um, marching before him. And so it's people don't even realize. And for my studies, it's finally come to the conclusion that we really still are a British colony. We're still part of Britain. That uh, we're not an independent sovereign nation. We're a satellite state of uh, Western Europe and the Roman Empire. And if you don't understand history, you will not be able to see the, the reality of this. It's clear to me that 9/11, as far as the falling of these buildings and turning to dust, was to initiate this uh, Third World War that Pike talks about of rubbing the uh, the, the Mohammedists against the Zionists. And to get rid of them, and they're and they're advancing that. You see it right before your eyes. You see everything that they're doing is in play with what Elva Pike said and planned and happening in the alleged letter to Mazzini. So it's really important, I think, for people to study their own history and to realize the degree in which Catholicism is. And uh, you know, I, I have a sister who's Roman Catholic, a brother is Eastern. Uh, Orthodox, so um, I'm, I don't hate Roman Catholics. I live in Sylvania, Ohio. It's a Roman Catholic community, so I mean, <laughs> all my friends are Roman Catholic, etc. So it's not about saying, "Oh, you got to hate the, the, the laymen, the people." But uh, when you see what the priestcraft has done, what they have always done, and their inf- their influence and the distortion of reality, history, and etc. Uh, you start to put the pieces together. You start to realize that all roads still lead to Rome. And if one's not willing to do that, then you can't completely see the full picture. So when you talk about like uh, um, the Rothschilds, now, and I understand you believe that, but if you look at the Rothschilds, they're the bankers of the Vatican. And the Red Shield itself is a Roman symbol. It's not a... It's not a um, even the hexagram that we look at, <laughs> and although it's on other temp- temples, it's all part of this Babylonian system. And that um, the uh, the Rothschilds are truly subservient to Rome, um, sure, the papacy. And so we have to, as you were talking about, you know, this as you're saying, the spiritual is what's important. Like, if you under, if people could comprehend and understand that the spiritual always overrides the temporal, does it matter? Because most people are operating at a temporal level, and they, so they, they think of communism and capitalism or um, Catholic versus Protestant or uh, a Republican against Democrat. These are all deceptions. The truth of the matter, it's the spiritual always overrides the temporal, and people... Uh, the average person, because they haven't spent the time studying it and embracing and understanding it, how the world really works, will never come to that conclusion. And so they never get to the point of actually seeing reality. So let's go back to uh, September 23rd. Something seriously big happened that day. But people were waiting for a comet to happen or CERN to bust a hole in the, the firmament or et cetera. And, and I'm not saying that none of that's going to happen, but I'm saying if one... I've been trying to warn people for over a year that uh, March 23rd was was a huge day, but it was a day of representation of the fact that um, uh, this new world order was nothing but the old world order, uh, that the, um, there's a new uh, agenda ahead for the Roman Empire. And if you would pay, if people paid attention, actually uh, look at the ceremony that Pope received and the, and the the lawn there in front of the White House, 
you would realize that that is the case, that they were revealing to people um, the truth that we have always been a uh, part of the Roman Empire, that we have always been a British colony, and um, you blow your mind away. You ask some serious questions. Fascinating how no one saw that. No one even wanted to see that or could believe it, because most people believe that the papacy and the pope represents Christianity, when in reality, if one does, does their homework, will realize that he does not. He represents this global religion called uh, Luciferianism slash Satanism. And even the Bible reveals that, too. That's the reason why they don't want you to read the Bible, because the Bible reveals flat out that the city on seven hills, ornate and uh, scarlet and purple and precious gems and gold and etc., receives its power from the dragon, and Satan itself. And that's their, whole, their goal is to create this... Uh, um, the kingdom of God on earth, but their God is literally Satan. It's Lucifer, and it's not just speculation. It's not just a hunch or assumption. So why did they go about it? My my take in the whole thing with 9-11 was literally that, to initiate Elver Pike's Third World War, and that's what we're witnessing. And uh, It's very important to understand that because Christianity is not Catholicism. Christianity, we follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, and he says, Thou shalt not kill. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love thy enemy. If you see all these acts of of uh, murder and genocide and, and and killing, well, you can understand right away that these are not Christians who are doing that. They might call themselves Christians, but that doesn't mean it's the truth because they're not following the way, the truth, and the life. So, the powers, the powers that be, you know, like George Bush didn't kill anybody during the Iraq War. He just told other people to do it, and they were, you know, as Mark Passio calls them, order followers, um, and they just follow orders. So, you know, his hands are essentially clean. I don't know how karmically that works, but, you know, people, it, it's whatever your actions do. If you do an immoral action, that's on you. Um, I don't believe, you know, these people, again, in quotation marks, um, have, they understand karmic law. Um, they understand, you know, that their actions will um, bite them uh, in, uh, you know, at some point. And that's why they, um, they don't regularly kill people. They just convince us to do it to each other. That's an interesting take. Um but my but my my take of that too is that I don't see that to be the case. I mean, if you look at uh, like Cheney, I mean, I just been doing her. I don't know if you knew that Dave. You know, uh, do you know of Dave McGowan? Yeah, Dave McGowan. I've yeah, talked to him a few times. Yep. He, he passed away this week on the twenty second, so I've been doing shows uh, in memory of him because his very last show was actually on my show, apparently. And uh, he had uh, uh, Keith Hansen, aka Visigoth, on with him, and so, but. Uh, uh, yeah, so so Cheney, you know, he shot his buddy Whittington in the face with a buckshot, you know, <laughs> and he just as you study and study these gentlemen, you know, the, you know, part of the part of gaining their power is death, and they kill themselves, and they have other people kill for them, um, and uh, I don't believe that any of our leaders, their hands are clean at no. all. I don't believe at all, and I believe that they really do at this point. They realize what the power lies on this earth and who the prince of this world is, and they will do. They they are blinded by their lust for this power, and because they don't know God, and because they don't have the spirit of God in them, 
you know, why does one man choose to do what is uh, quote unquote morally right or to um, to care for his neighbor or his kids, and the other one chooses power and lust and of his lusts, and uh, you can only come to one conclusion: that it is spiritual, and that they have they choose the dark side, and um, that is, uh, and they know as time goes on that they where that power comes from, and it is a very wicked, evil. Uh, Sure, it's power, and it, but, but it's it's even a real entity, you know. If you and um, as time goes on, you research it, you put the piece together, it becomes obvious. And it's not even a religious thing, you know. They try to label it as a religious thing. Oh, you're Christian, which I don't even like that title. I think that that's a derogative term in in a lot of senses, especially because of all the behavior of two thousand years of people who claim to be Christian and what they've done. But even like the the um, the Crusades, they call it Christian, but in reality, they're not Christian. It was Catholicism. It was uh, the Roman Catholic Church that, was, and uh, the, the, the blind obedience of uh, the nobility and the ruling elite because they knew where they got their power. So when we talk about the mark of the beast and all that has been with us all along, and everybody is under it unless they they follow the way, the truth, and the life. I know it's a hard statement to say, but that's my observations, and that's what I've seen in my own life. Now, how do you prove what I say? Well, the first thing you do is you really follow your face. In desperation, as I did, not asking to join a church or anything like that, but to know, you know, the truth, really the truth, and realize how hopeless one is and how bald and mistaken one is and their understanding, belief in their own behavior and how, you know, you're, you're 50 years old just like I am and uh, I'm 47, you're a little over 50, so we're, we're, you know, we're half a century, so we should uh, um, we you know, we should um, <clears throat> you know, have a little bit of experience, enough experience to see the behavior of ourselves in the world to see that, uh, although there's good, there's an awful lot of bad. And they, the bad really... As you said, you know, it, it trickle, you know, it's the commoner who actually per, per, perpetuates and per, uh, uh, does the the crime. So if you look at World War One and Two, and, and it was the common person who was driven into picking up a gun and killing uh, the guy in front of him, and to raping and pillaging and all this other stuff. So, um, one can only come to the conclusion that it's it's. Uh, that it is a spiritual warfare, and that the deceit is immense. It goes from all angles, and in particular, you know, you brought up in one of the shows about religion is a big reason. The religions, you know, the, these organizations are responsible for hiding the truth, their own reality, as far as the world and what it looks at. And you know, he's you're right about that. If you look at the Anglican Church, which is Catholic, you look at the Roman Catholic Church, you look at all the quote-unquote Protestant churches, nothing more than daughter churches of, of Rome, but they were all promoting a lie. Why were they doing that? Well, that goes back to that the scripture that I started out when we talk about the priests, the high priest and the scribes and the elders and why they were, their love is the praise of man. If you're going to follow the truth, you know what? You're not going to find much praise in the men. In fact, you're going to find uh, that wherever you go, you're very disturbing around people. It's very upsetting. But the Lord said that too. He said, if you speak the truth, you know this is what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> what happened to him will happen to you. So, uh, Walt wants to have another talk. Uh, ask you a question. If he wants to make a comment about uh, sure. reality. So, go ahead, Walt. Uh, well, yes. It you know it. First of all, reality. It's, I, I, I had never watched, I'm 71 years old, and I had never watched 
the Truman Show. But I checked it out the, <laughs> four days ago, and I've watched it about four or five times because the first time through, you're not going to get pick everything out. But I, the thing that I learned learn from that is, you know, and I realized what what was said. See, they're, they are creating our reality. Football games, basketball games, Hollywood. They're creating our reality. And this is what the flat earth has done. I mean, I, I have a, a, a friend, she's a Christian, and she's been beating me up for eight years. It's probably closer to 10 years on the flat earth. I mean, I was at a, at a dinner with her. It was on a, she invited me to dinner. She said, Walt, do you believe the Bible? And I said, yes. So do you believe the do you do do you believe that the Earth is flat? And I said, uh, well, in in Isaiah it says it's a circle, and she said, well, it's, a circle is not a sphere. And she quoted scripture after scripture after scripture. You know, and she said, I know you don't believe me, Walt. You, I know you don't believe me. And I said, but listen, Carol, I have to listen. I have to listen. And after eight years. And then this move, this interest in flat earth, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you see, this is, they have created our reality. And in other words, I mean, they got us thinking we're living on a ball going through space at 67,000 miles an hour, turning it at 1,000 miles an hour at the equator and making one lap around the, the, the sun. They've created, I realized, I just had a friend call me up. <laughs> he started thinking about this flat earth. And when you first, when it first hits home, when it first hits home, it, I, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I had Thanksgiving dinner at a fancy restaurant. You know, somebody took me to this restaurant. I mean, $27 for, I mean, for this meal. I mean, I don't have that kind of money. But it was a perfect day. And it's a picture of the Pacific Ocean. I live, on, I live on the Oregon coast. And I'm sitting against the wall looking towards the ocean. And it was a perfect day. I mean, I, I'm a pilot. And unlimited visibility is not, you don't see this every day. And I was memorized. I kept looking out the window. And I'd look from my left to my right. And that earth was just as flat as can be. Another, another pilot coming forth and saying that the earth is flat. <laughs> so let me, let, me, uh, let me just touch about what people see, including pilots. It sure looks flat as can be, you know, uh, from left to right, because it should dip down on both sides, even just a little bit. You know, the higher you go, the more you should see. But what most ball earthers um, will do is they'll show you um, that there is a little bit of a curve to that picture. And the reason there is a curve is because our eyes can only see a certain distance. So if you held your arm out, um, hold your left arm out, and pretend that your fingertips, uh, out to the left, that your fingertips are as far as you can see. So you're pointing at 9 o'clock, and you, um, you put a mark at 9 o'clock. That's the vanishing point or the point of convergence. Then you go to 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12, 1, 2, 3, and you plot out all of those points directly in front of you and to the right. And then if you connect all those dots, what you're making is a big flat circle. You're seeing the same distance in all directions. 
So when you look at that on a giant scale, it sure looks like a straight line, and it's not because the center will bulge out a little far, farther. And um, people will say, well, there, you know, there's the, the proof it's a ball. Well, that's not true at all. I, I, put, I, I have a camera on uh, – uh, I have a picture. If you go to uh, deep inside the rabbit hole to flat earth, scroll to the bottom of that page, and I put a camera on my dining room table, which is circular, and I said, look, there's the horizon. You know, does anybody want to join me for dinner on my spherical dining room table um, or something <laughs> like that? It, it's, it, and that shows you exagger- a little exaggerated. The bigger it is, the less of a curve you're going to see. But there is a little bit of curve there, but it's a big flat circle on a flat surface. Good, good observation, David. Well, yeah. good. And, and I just wanted to, uh, that's, that's right, you know, and also, I don't know if, if people have heard, and I asked you, David, uh, have you heard of the, of the green flash? The green have, flash? Yeah. Like, well, it, it, listen, on, on, I have a, a friend that's a tugboat captain, and he's seen it out to sea, and I missed it the night, that on Thanksgiving Day, that perfect, I came home and I got to talking with somebody. I was going to go down to the beach and watch the sunset because I only live half about a mile from the beach. And, but on, on a perfectly clear day, you can look this up on the internet, by the way, and there's even pictures of it. But just as the sun goes over the horizon, there's a green flash. And you only see it has to be it, it, it has to be one of those days when there's perfect unlimited visibility. You, you just because we just had a cold spell, see, you know. But you know the one thing I wanted to comment before I got away from Carol. See, Carol, Carol believed this. I've been pounded for eight or ten years on a flat Earth. And where did she get it from? She didn't get it from the Internet. She don't have a computer in her house. She got it from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and another thing, another thing, we've only, been a, we've only been heliocentric for 400 years. Well, it's, well, it's if, uh, 14, nine, uh, excuse me, 1543, 41, around that time, about the same time as the Council of Trenton when they created the Counter-Reformation. The Counter-Reformation was all designed for one thing. And what was that, Walt? I mean, I mean to, uh, to, to, uh, to counter the Reformation. I mean, I mean, right, and what was the Reformation created from? It was created from the fact that the average man was able to once, and for, for once, actually read the Word of God. And the Word of God, the Bible, caused all this havoc. And is the reason why they've gone all out in attacking us at all, uh, this multi-spectrum uh, war uh, of everything, including uh, destroying people's understanding of what their reality is as far as the wor- world goes. I mean, Copernicus was part of that. He's, you know, they used his information and he used, they used his research as a, to counter the Bible. And that was, you know, the Bible was telling us all along that the world is flat and they were pushing on everybody, just like evolution and everything else, these dark priests of Satan. And I know that's a harsh thing to say, but it's the truth. Um, that they were, they were educating people and what they were doing and you know, the Jesuits control our education in the United States and Western Europe and just about all countries. In fact, all countries at this point. They and, control the academic world. And, the know, Jesuits control 
the head the, word, the, the top Freemason is the black pope, and we know this to be the case. Right. But you, you know the, uh, you know what I wanted to uh, uh, see was Galileo that really that kicked it off. Sure. It kicked it off. In, in other words, and, and Isaac Newton he helped, he helped, and then it was Einstein and that that. That, but, that, uh, but that, but that was, you know, you got to even think about those things because those guys were in the inner circle, if you will, the educated, the elite, and the universities at the time. And we're not really affecting the commoner. It was the commoner, you and I and Dave, the commoners, who threat the system by bucking it. And what gave them the the courage to do that? Well, it was the Bible. They started reading. They said, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> what they're teaching yeah. us is complete opposite to what you know what? they're telling us in the Bible. You guys, you, a lot of people um, that are coming from the the religion side um, uh, of this, saying you know it's in the Bible, you know, and then there's other pieces of evidence that support the Bible. Um, I have been pretty much an atheist my entire life um, until recently, and the flat Earth has helped me discover that there is a a creator. Um, so I say there's all of this proof, and on top of that, it's in the Bible too, and which is a, which you know, however you do it, it'll appeal to you know the religious and the non-religious people. Um, you know, I used to listen to radio shows. You know, I still listen to alternative radio, but as soon as they would go into Bible stuff, boom, I tune out and go to another station. Now my ears perk up and I listen. Yeah, well, and part of that is, too, because of the fact that they were simply just preaching instead of bringing it to your day-to-day reality and saying, why is it really applicable to me? Why does it mean anything? They were just trying to convert you to become part of their religion. That's not what we're supposed to do, especially as people who believe in the Bible and you know, the world calls us Christians. And I call us you know, the follower of the way. We're, we're supposed to be uh, uh, lovers of all people. We're supposed to be, you know, Except Dave and his way of thinking, and that we don't have to agree with it, but we still accept because Dave has something to learn from us, and I we have something we have something to share with Dave, and that's the thing is is that when you listen to the majority of the stuff out there, it's just mind. It's, they call it milk. They're just giving you milk. They're not meat. Not something that's really of great value, especially to a grown man like yourself and I. And that's the problem. The problem is that they're still stuck trying to uh, convert us all and convince us all that they are right instead of saying, hey, listen, here's the Word of God. Why don't you read it? Why don't you study it? Why don't you figure it out for yourself and come to your own conclusion? Is it true or not? You know what I mean? Instead of trying to convince the whole world that they're right, say, here, here we go, you know. And that's the problem. The problem is, is that they are preachers instead of doers. They are too busy trying to please the men, uh, uh, people, and and concentrating on the praise of the world instead of saying, you know, listen, the Bible does say this: the world is flat. On the, you know, the Bible does talk about the fact that you know what we're all part of this Roman Empire and we're not doing things right. Because you know what's going to happen. They're going to have to leave their church. They're going to have to leave everything that they're doing. They're going to have to go follow that way. And that's a frightening prospect. I find it fascinating because it's, it's uh, you know, I see the Spirit of God uh, going throughout the world and uh, reaching guys like uh, Dave Weiss, who's not even a Christian. And, you know, you should count your blessings for that because, you know what, you're like the whole, the, the whole thing of, you know, the whole, you know, putting new wine in an old wine flask, you know. 
uh, it's 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 a bad idea. It doesn't work. But you're a new wine flask with you know, with an open mind who's willing to listen to something that you maybe never knew or heard before. Just like myself or Walt, yeah. because we're not part of organized religion, which is designed to crush your your spirit, you suppress the truth, keep you from knowing the truth. We are more open to listen to each other and come to the truth. And uh, we're, we're having church right now. I mean, in other words, that's what it's all about. I mean, yeah. it's to share. It's, it's like when, when David was on this broadcast uh, talking, I mean, David has read Judy Wood's book from cover to cover. And if I had one, one, uh, rebuttal of her book it's it's an overkill it's an overkill <laughs> it, it's not an overkill when because the way she laid it out you will not understand it until you read the last 10 pages and, oh, and she laid it out in a certain way i was i was just backing up to 9-11 for a second for four years i was pushing architects and engineers for 9-11 truth because i needed an explanation that uh, how the buildings fell at free fall acceleration, and the only thing I had in my wheelhouse of knowledge was controlled demolition, conventional controlled demolition, um, and I believed that. But now I realize that they're they're just a, a gatekeeping um, you know organization to keep people from the truth, and the truth is it wasn't controlled demolition. Maybe there was some you know some bombs inside the elevator shafts and when they did the whole elevator renovation thing, it makes perfect sense. But when you try to blow steel and concrete up, you're going to have big, huge piles, massive shock waves and explosions and a, a pile 35 stories tall Right. versus if you molecularly change the bonds in steel and concrete to those of the bonds of balsa wood and then blow up some you know, fluoride bombs or, you know, or maybe even a mini nukes that we're unaware of that just have super shock waves that would blow it into powder. Um, and, and everything was disassociating anyway. You might need very small, you know, maybe just some simple dynamite. But the problem was you didn't hear those explosions. So there was some other type of explosive used to disassociate all the molecules. I comment on that because Judy Wood, you correct me, David, if I'm wrong. She said that she said that the dust at 9/11 was the same consistency as an as a, a volcano. And I think, and see, I witnessed. I think you'll find this really interesting, David, if you go to GrandDesignExposed.com and go down to button 43 and click on where did the towers go. See it at the at the bottom. On July 22nd, 1980, the second major eruption of Mount St. Helens, I flew down in my Cessna 150 with my wife, and I flew on the west side in a long circle, and my wife took a couple rolls of pictures. Now, if you look at that volcano, and if then it, you scroll down and you look at the consistency of the towers, it's the same consistency. And that mountain, Mount St. Helens, how big? Mount St. Helens was just a burp. But I used to, ha I used to fly down, and they had a no-fly zone. You had, to, you had to stay away from the, and I would fly in a circle around it. And I could look into the, into the crater. The whole north side blew out. How big was it? If, if they would have allowed me, I could have taken, taken my airplane and flew in and around the crater. 
And you say, well, where did, where did that dust go? Where did the mountain go? That's what you ask that. Where did the mountain go? Well, in Yakima, Washington, where I was born, within hours, the streetlights came on. And it went, it went all the way to Europe. It went all the way to Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, in other words... I, I think part of the secret is just what you're talking about there. What, however uh, volcanoes work, probably, in creating that ash that turns a whole mountain to ash and lava could be a, a big a big element to how they turn the tra- the world trade towers into ash as well. The, the term for what happened on 9-11 is molecular disassociation. Um, and what happened was the things were dissolving. And, and when, the, when the particles hit the ground, they kept disassociating and they retook off after they landed. They became smaller than 10 microns, which basically goes right through your skin and through your brain. And they blew away. Um, but, but anything that was grounded um, would not be affected. Trees, lampposts, you know, the leaves on trees were still there, but cars were flipped upside down and, and the metal was on fire. Um, you know, the engines were missing from trucks and cars. The engines were missing. You know, where did they go? Um, for some reason, the directed energy was built up in them because the cars and trucks were insulated from the earth with the rubber tires. Um, there, there was so many anomalies um, that show that. Uh, um, you know, there, there's, a, there's other people out there that are saying it was mini nukes and they blew it up from the basement. That doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense to me because we saw the towers come down from the top down. This is true. Uh, and now there were explosions in the basement before the towers hit. And what I believe those were, is you have 57 core columns in the middle, then you have your outside columns. I believe that there was, maybe it was even thermite or, or some other thing, that it was, it was blowing up some of the beams to disconnect it from the ground because they had to disconnect the tower from the ground. So if they blew up, you know, 30 of the beams, um, Interesting. Yeah. unground them, and then you go up a little bit higher and you take the other beams and you blow them up, you've just cut off, you've still kept some structure of the building but you've ungrounded most of it. And so when they build up that uh, static charge in the building and then however the weapon works, um, you know, the, the building works. One of the other things that Hutchinson experienced when he was doing, a du- you know, directing energy is uh, weightlessness. Things would float up into the air, if you've seen any of his films. And yeah. there, that, that will explain how people said that they were lifted off the ground and they flew for a block cars flipped upside down you know there wasn't enough wind to pull the leaves off the tree but there was enough wind to flip a car over this doesn't make any sense um and if you look at the people that were hanging outside the windows it's really weird you know they were ripping off their clothes it might it, it, it looks like they were being microwaved but taking that aside if you watch there's a, a couple of videos where a guy is climbing out the window and he's outside the window and he's barely holding on and it looks like he's floating and, and he looks, you know, and then he starts falling and he loses his grip, but he's not falling yet. And then he, then he falls and, you know, maybe going through his mind was like, okay, maybe I can float down since I'm floating here rather than being microwaved in there. Interesting. So that could be a kind of a motive for why so many people jumped, you're saying? Well, well the, now there's also 
some fakery going on there. Um, there, there is some fakery. I um, like the guy, I, the guy that does the Freemason uh, pose. Do you think that was a real person, or was that Donnie? I, 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 there were definitely some fake images there. You know, the the whole. I don't not sure if you guys are familiar with the uh, the artist group that was in there for months beforehand, where they built a little deck and they were throwing dummies off the building. Um, maybe they were doing that as uh, let's see how we're going to film this, how it's going to w- look. Um, you know, people take that like, oh, so they were there, you know, during it, throwing bodies out, you know, throwing dummies out. You know, well, that doesn't make any sense because the people throwing the dummies out will die. That's right. <laughs> also, so <laughs> who would, who would want to be up there, but, right? <laughs> so what was the purpose uh, uh, of that whole um, that whole artist thing? Um, I believe it was, you know, trial runs of how it's going to look and, and what they're going to do. But I believe that people did get caught up there and uh, were, you know, jumping out the window. Now, here, here's the thing. Uh, any firefighter will tell you, nobody jumps out of a window to their death unless they're on fire really bad, okay? But all of these people that they showed were had their clothes were clean. They were fully dressed. They weren't burnt. They, you know, and the fires were so hot. But meanwhile, there's a picture of a woman with long red hair standing right in the hole uh, where the plane was, leaning out, looking down, you know, waving a white flag or whatever she had in her hand. The fires weren't that hot. They were burned out quickly. But you don't jump to your death unless you're on fire. And uh, the, the other thing is, if, if you um, go to a stove, let's, let's say the stove is hot and you don't realize it's hot, and you put your hand on there, okay, and you yank your hand away immediately without thinking, you yank your hand away, and let's say you yank it really hard and you whack your grandmother in the face, okay, because she's standing right next to you looking over the, whatever you're cooking, and you burn your hand and you yank it back and you elbow her in the face or hit her with your hand, pure accident, it was out of your control, and it was a immediate reaction. So people are near the windows, and let's say all of a sudden they crank up this microwave, or you know, for lack of a better word, this directed energy. A microwave is a directed energy. You're going to jump out the window without even realizing you jumped out the window. So that's how people you know, could end up out there. And then also the measurements of how far they landed from the building. You, know, you would have to have a 100-yard runway with an Olympic runner to, and a clear shot to jump you know, and get out that far versus these people that are just falling out the window. They're landing you know, 30, 40 yards away or whatever the distance was. It was impossible um, for someone that's just falling out a window. Well, you know, it's great. It's a great opportunity for uh, the ruling elites and uh, the military industrial complex to uh, practice uh, many different <laughs> types of uh, uh, new weaponry. Um, so, yeah, you know, what were they doing? You know, just <laughs> um, jump, jump back again. I was talking for about a, the blood sacrifice and the, and the money and the money's role in 9-11. There's a video on my website that everybody has to watch. It's about 15 minutes long. It's by Betsy Lee McGee. And she shows that all of our money, 5, 10, 20, 50, $100 bills, were changed just slightly before uh, in the, the couple of years running into 9-11. The only bill that wasn't changed was the, the Luciferian you know, uh, $1 bill. Um, because that's the one that's everyone's God. Everyone, you know, God is the dollar. 
and um, you know, in this material world that we live in. And they changed it to line up to show you exactly what's going to happen on 9-11. So it's on uh, deep inside the rabbit hole. It's on uh, mind control. Just scroll down and you'll see it says uh, Rockefeller's in the money or something like that. Um, watch it and then watch it again. It's, it's mind-blowing what they did. Interesting. Now, um, yeah, well, you, did you see the video of the guy, uh, I think he's in Tennessee, who, who got that uh, $20 bill that actually, you could put up the light, you could see uh, George Bush's face instead of, uh, was it uh, Jefferson? I haven't seen that one. That's interesting. Can you send me yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, I'll look it up and send it to you. Um, it- this one, you know, where you fold up all the bills like an airplane, and it shows the towers. It shows the towers on fire. It shows the towers collapsing. It shows the Pentagon on fire. It shows everything that happened on 9-11, and the smoke is even going in the right direction. It, uh, and it, is is and that her work, or is that Jonathan's work? Uh, Jonathan, I can't think of his last name, the guy in Arizona. I, no, I believe this is her work. And, um, and then also, the, and everything, they even changed the arch that, that surrounds it, you know, like the frame of the picture, and it's the Washington Square Park arch. And uh, in Washington Square Park, they moved the fountain. Um, they spent like $18 million to move it, and they didn't even center it where it should have gone. They moved it so it lined up with the towers, and that's supposedly a fountain, you know, the, to symbolize the fountain of blood, you know, through the arch, uh, with the towers framed in the background. Um, just th- this is, you know, you can write things off to coincidence, but this is a no thousand such, times no the such thing. There's no yeah. such thing as coincidence, I'd, period. I'd like to ask you a question. There's no I'd such like, you know, Us three talking this morning is not a coincidence either. So yeah. <laughs> I'd like to ask uh, David. Uh, David, on that other broadcast, you, you brought this up, and I've, and I've you know, I forget which one. It was Tower One or Tower Two. When the building leaned over, it leaned over. And could you could you comment on that? Yeah. So in the video that we saw, um, the 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 part, the ten or twelve stories stories above the supposed plane crash, um, when it started to collapsing, it started tipping over at a fairly rapid rate. The entire chunk. So the laws of um, motion that says, you know, anything that's already in motion, don't quote me on the exact wording, um, needs an opposite force to stop it. Otherwise, it'll keep going. This thing was tipping over at almost 45 degrees, um, um, and it should have basically just fallen off and fell to the ground. But instead, it just turned to dust all of a sudden. It just went behind a cloud, and it was gone. Um, There's no possible way that chunk of the building could have destroyed the, the building below. We were, we were also told that, you know, it, it fell and then it hit the next floor, pulverized it, hit the next floor, pulverized it, hit the next floor, pulverized it. Well, if it's pulverizing the floors below, it's going to also pulverize the floors above. So after 10 floors, there'll be nothing left to pulverize and the building should have stopped. It's impossible collapse. I mean, the official story is, is, is a joke. Um, Dr. Woods explains that that law of motion is true, and it even remains true if you're using directed energy, but it starts tilting. But what if you um, molecularly disassociated all of the atoms at an instant moment, moment? They can still rotate, but the building's already dust, so it doesn't matter. It's a hard one to to, uh, visualize, but if you read a book, it's well explained. 
And her book, her book again, the last of ten pages or so, um, re- does a quick review with all the questions. I recommend don't jump to that until you read the book. Read the book cover to cover. And I, I'm looking forward to doing that, David, because uh, because uh, you know uh, the the bottom line is is the ult- it, sh- it shows you how much trouble they went to cover up the alternative media alex jones all of these all of these um documentaries that were made on 9-11 were just cover up they were the distraction to take you off of what really happened and that's why judy's what i i just sent my book to somebody and i you know you know i because it i mean it, it is an expensive book it's uh I got it for $45 delivered to the door, but it's $45, $50. But if you really want to know what happened on 9-11, uh, you're not going to hear it on Alex Jones or any any of the – it's all a distraction to cover up what really happened. And, Correct. And, and, and it goes back to that word reality. See? They are, they are controlling our reality. The reality is of this. The buildings just appeared. They turned to dust and fell in their tracks. And David was there five days after, and he actually, there were the buildings. And, and another comment that you made, David, is so, I listen, I have never been there, but I, you know, I, I have a simulator, and a, you know, a flight simulator. Those buildings were huge. Each floor was an acre. You had 220 acres. You had 220 acres. You had uh, on each floor, forget the file cabinets. Think about how many bathrooms were in that building, how many toilets. Not a single toilet was found. Not a single doorknob was found. One filing cabinet was found, and it was in a state that is impossible with the physics that we understand today. Um, The desks were gone. Everything was gone. The newscasters even say it fell with such force that it went into the basement, but it didn't because the basement was still intact. The mall, the Warner Brothers store underneath, there's video of firefighters in there walking around after it happened, so it didn't go below ground. Um, You know, and and you know what everyone says? The smoking gun is Building 7. You know, the BBC and CNN announced that it fell 23 minutes before it fell. Well, that's amazing smoking gun. It's pretty good. Um, that, and how that happened was the, the script got out and the, 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 the collapse of the building got delayed or something. And that's, a, you know, in all the mayhem of the day of orchestrating this media hoax, uh, it got screwed up. But there's another smoking gun. It's called Building 6, let alone yes. 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. Building 6 is about, I think it's 10 stories, give or take. Um, and its entire inside disappeared. The outer walls are still there. The insides are gone. Okay? Gone. Just gone. It's cut out like you're carving out a pumpkin, and they're gone, and there's no explanation. You know, if you dropped a, a gigantic wrecking ball from the top of the tower, it's perfectly in the middle of that building. I doubt it would make a hole without ripping out the sides, ripping down the sides, but then there would be a wrecking ball at the bottom. There's nothing. There was some debris in there, but it's gone. I mean, it's evidence of directed energy. Wow. You know, so the direct energy, so how did, what did you, where, do you have a theory about as what, far where as, it comes from? Yeah. How it, you know, because, no, you know, because it was brought up too, is the whole thing about the, the, the also there was uh, weather conditions going on. Apparently there was a, a hurricane. Hurricane that nobody, Aaron? No, 
that no one was paying attention to or, <laughs> so, or so was paying attention but somehow didn't show up, uh, supposed to be heading to uh, New York. So, well, so let, let's talk about that for a second. Um, in the Hutchinson's, Hutchinson's effect, um, they use a static field from like a Tesla generator, but uh, a, a tornado, a hurricane, is a giant Tesla coil and it creates a static field. Um, if you had a Category 1 hurricane heading for New York, it would be on the news constantly every day as it's approaching, and they would evacuate Lower Manhattan for a Category 1. This thing for the five days leading into 9-11 was making a beeline without variation for Manhattan. It was a Category 3 beautiful hurricane, and they ignored it on all the news. One news station mentioned it. They're like, oh, that hurricane that's going to go away, and they just ignored it. And uh, it was washed over. But it was heading beeline for, 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 um, for uh, New York City. And its outer bands were already hitting the edge of Long Island. If you know your geography, it's right there. And, you know, the calm before the storm is what we had. So they... You know, if you say that was just by chance being there, why didn't they report on it? Because they wanted everybody, they didn't want people evacuating Manhattan. They wanted everybody watching this. That's one theory. The other theory is it created the static field that was needed to use this directed energy weapon. Because interestingly enough, after the second tower fell, like within hours, it took a hairpin turn and went out to sea after its five-day perfectly straight path. So... You know, that's where you lose some people. They're like, oh, weather control is not happening. Weather control is so simple. Um, it's, you know, with all the particles in the air, you know, all the stuff, maybe that's, you know, all of the, the metal particulates and the magnetic fields from our, the center of our Earth, which is the North Pole, that you can drive things left, right, forward, backwards, intensify them with, you know, all of the, the next red radar that we have, which is not what you think it is. Um, yeah, and, and that's it. They didn't mention it. Well, it, it, it makes you think that maybe, you know, with, um, oh, gosh, I just had a mind, my mind just went blank. Um, Harp, the Harp might have something to do with all this. And, and you know, you look at, um, like, Disney back in 19, man, the 1950s, something seriously happened. I have a theory, it's only a theory, that because of uh, the, the massive blood sacrifice of World War II that they the spiritual powers that be started giving more, uh, you know, uh, power to the elite as far as harnessing the uh, nature and et cetera. But, you know, uh, in 19, I think it was 1958, 1959, around that time, Disney uh, put out a video about uh, controlling the weather. And that has been a goal for, it's been seven years, at least the 70 years that they've been uh, at this, trying to control the weather, it could go back even with the Tesla and all that. And it's fascinating that connection because you look at what Walt was saying about the volcano, you're talking about what you're saying about the hurricane and how they figured out how to harness um, the weather, the elements of this planet that we live on, our world, and that's what they're maybe actually using, which which is bizarre, but also it also might put in some kind of uh, element of this whole satanic ritual and how they um, harness the elements, or you know, or the was it uh, the four elements, right? 
uh, wind, fire, water, air, is that what it is? I can't remember exactly the four. Yeah. And uh, that somehow there's some kind of uh, occultic, you know, uh, alchemical type of uh, process that they actually use. I mean, let's face it, in America, that's what it's all been all about. I mean, we got 50 pentagrams on our flag with blood red streaks running down. (laughs) You know, it seems to me that they've been focusing on this quite a bit. yeah, I want to talk to you about it's just you know uh, bouncing over to the flat Earth and the UN uh, flag. Yeah, and I listened to your interview, but I didn't really hear what the uh, explanation for the the Laurel Reefs kind of went off into the uh, edge of the Earth and the um, and that kind of the stuff. But I would like to what's your take on that uh, about the Laurel Reefs on the uh, flat Earth UN flag, and then I'm going to share with you what, what I my research. Um. I mean, my I haven't really looked into it much, but it basically is the outer wall, which we call Antarctica. You know, maybe there's some other significance um, to it biblically or, or that I haven't looked into. But it's, you know, I focus on the map being a flat earth map, and that's what they're using on uh, their flag. And, uh, you know, other agencies that run the world we live on also use it. Sure. So let's look at the, four, the Laurel, uh, Laurel Reef and let's just, uh, uh, just entertain the idea that we live still, nothing's really changed, nothing new is under the sun, and we still live in, um, in the Roman Empire. And if we look at the fact that the UN, and because, you know, like for instance, the papacy and the Knights of Malta have uh, uh, a viewing status over the UN, which basically means they're controlling it and watching over it, making sure it goes its way. Um, we look at the Laurel Reef and what it stands for. It stands for things such as uh, to be a master, to be uh, a winner, a conqueror. Uh, it represents the um, Caesar, mas- uh, Caesar, the Caesars. Uh, it represents power. We look at the, the blue, the blue that's used, it, it, it represents, and it's used not only cultically, but um, within the realm itself, has always been a representation of temporal power. we got the, 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 the flat earth map that's divided in 33 sections. To give you an idea of how close Freemasonry and the high priests of Rome are, in the United States of America, there are 33 archdioceses, the 32nd one being in Washington, D.C., and the 33rd one being uh, in the U.S. military. If you go back and look critically, along with, you know, historically, what the law wreath represents, it represents uh, Rome's temporal power on the earth. Why would they choose such a thing? It's something to really think about. I think it's pretty clear what they're saying. In fact, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, they're transferring much of the stuff that's in uh, New York as far as the UN headquarters over to the UN city in Copenhagen. That's, they built that a couple of years after uh, 9-11, so and it's been uh, completed. So, my take on that whole thing is just a symbolically a representation of the, de- the de- design and goal that's always been part of Rome and that uh, to control the whole world, to dominate in all aspects, all spheres, and that's what it represents. So, um, and it doesn't take you know it doesn't t- take away from your concept of the fact, or, or that uh, you know a lot of us feel that the anarch uh, circles 
the globe. It simply is a, a symbol that represents power. Uh, you look at uh, the Laurel um, uh, Nobel Laureate Prize. That's um, that when someone graduates many times with a master's degree, they use, they wear the laurel wreath. It simply is a very occultic symbol for control, power, domination. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, so that's what it really is, is all about. It doesn't take anything away from the fact that there's a Antarctica circles the, the globe. And, Com- and, comment you know. Go ahead. Well, uh, uh, yes. Also, that same laurel wreath. <clears throat> if you go inside the chamber, you know, uh, where the, the the speaker of the house. Uh, up around on the walls, they have bust. It's B-U-S-T-S, bust. And uh, around each one of uh, the bust, they have the laurel wreath. And, and two of them are popes during the Inquisition, two of the most evil popes are men on uh, the planet. In history. <laughs> on, on, in history. And, uh, and also, when, when the Pope, Pope came, Gregory the uh, Ninth. Right. And, and the uh, other one would be um, Innocent the Third, I think. It would right. Be. Uh, you know, but most was had the most two man's hands than you could ever imagine. Millions of people. So and so, you see, this this is this is the thing. Is the Roman influence when the Pope spoke, and everybody's seen a picture from the podium when he spoke from the podium, to his right and to his left are two fasci symbols. And they weren't put there until 1945. And those two busts of the Inquisition popes were not put there until 1950. But the fasci symbol is on liberty. Liberty is, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, freedom, who is on top of the, of the dome of the Capitol. Around the bottom, there's bundles, bundles of their fasci symbols all the way around. Abraham Lincoln Abraham Lincoln is sitting in two armrests on two fasci symbols. So the fasci symbol is not new, see? And so, you know, you see, where I, th- where I see where they have taken Roman history out of our education, they've literally taken history out of the academic world, world history. So, so, so when you take, because when you look at that Capitol building, it wasn't until the Pope spoke that I realized that that Capito- that's a Capitolium, and that is a basilica. There's 1,600 basilicas, a little, I think 1,605 basilicas throughout the the world that the Pope that uh, the Rome has built. And that Capitol building is a basilica. That building is not a building to house politicians. That is a building of worship. It's about religion. And George Washington, the father of the nation, is in the apocalypse. I can't pronounce that right. It's up in the dome. He has been deified. It was the, apoc- the, apoc- the apocrypha that's in the dome. The apocrypha, yeah. He's surrounded by his... He, he has been... He has, <laughs> and the, and the, there's goddesses surrounding. I mean, you could go on for a whole broadcast what that's all about. 
Oh, the, the, the original name of Washington, D.C. was Rome, Maryland. The reason why they called the White House the White House is named after Andrew White, the Jesuit priest. That's the reason yes. why it's called White House. Yeah. You know, I, I had a friend of this is this is the suppressed history that they, 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 they did to us as a nation and part of the Counter Reformation and they have, um, have always used um, you know the profane, the goyim, etc. as a way to do their bidding. But yeah, you're right, absolutely. Washington DC, the capital, I mean the very first building that was built in Washington DC was Georgetown. And which is and you know, Jesuits. They, they they control they control the world through education. And what do they do with their education? They distort reality. They give us a false false concept of what the world is. They give us a false concept of what happened in nine eleven. They they are are behind all these um, false flags. I mean, they're the root of it. They are not the ones who are actually doing it, but they're the root behind it all. It's all these false false flags. Or is the Boston bombing or uh, Sandy Hook, or etc. I mean, it, it's just I mean, the connections are profound once you're willing to go a little further and touch the no man zone of religion, which is something that we've been indoctrinated from very early on in life that you can't talk about religion, politics, and the flat earth. <laughs> I, I, want to, I want to just comment on the term false flag. Um, and, and I used to not care, but now because there's so much stuff happening, it really does matter. 9-11 was a false flag. The Gulf of Tonkin was a false flag. Uh, Sandy Hook, Paris, the Boston bombing, those are hoaxes. A false flag is one where, where people die, um, where they actually kill people. And a, and a hoax is just that, a hoax. So, yeah, but here's a fascinating thing, though. It goes, uh, well, sorry, Tonka Bay. When you talk about that, that was Admiral Morrison, the father of Jim Morrison. I don't know if you knew that, not maybe you did through Dave. But um, uh, what's fascinating about Jim Morrison and the Doors and this whole 60s, and this to mean something to you, Dave, because you're that age where the 60s and 70s music certainly influenced you, just like the rest, at least I did. It affected me, um, although I was um, a little bit late for it, is that uh, Jim Morrison and the Doors are total fabrication. <laughs> coming out of UCLA, and uh, yeah, Dave, Dave McGowan wrote the book um, "Strange Things in the Canyon," I believe it is. It's, uh, it's called "Strange." It's weird scenes inside the canyon, which is what I've been right. reading, reading bits and pieces of it. Uh, my show, the best four shows. So yeah, you're right. Um, and so, it, so we look at even like I mean, how would what, what you know the psychops and how they in, influence the populace. You look at the, the rock and roll movement. You know, it's a devastating thing for me because I spent 20-some years being a musician and songwriter and all that before I got hit with the MS. And um, now I can't tolerate it. But um, and, and an artist and all that. So in my whole life has been about music and I'm influenced by the musicians and all that and um, the connections that, you know, it's it's I find it fascinating because, you know, in the 50s, you had the rock and roll movement come up. In the 50s, you started the, this whole space thing going on. In the 50s, you have things like Spellman's War in, in the Vietnam and how it was really an inquisition, along with the Korean War, which my father was fought in, and so that affected me deeply. But the big winners, for instance, Korean War was they finally, the Jesuits tried for 500 years to establish a footing in Korea, and they weren't able to do it until after the Korean War, and 
with the South Korea, they were able to put their first university in, and uh, their president today in South Korea is a Jesuit-trained uh, um, president. So you, people mistake what I'm saying is that I'm anti-Roman Catholic or anti-Roman Catholic people. That's not what I'm talking about. The Jesuits are completely different. Uh, their education system, that we've all received a Jesuit education system. And what they are, are dark priests of Satan at the top, just like the bottom, just like Freemasonry, the bottom, you know, the, your average Jesuit priest probably is not, you know, molesting children and is not deliberately deceiving the rest of us. It's the blind leading the blind. And after, you know, many generations, we have uh, an immense amount of deception. And what's so important about your message, Dave, especially with us 9-11 or these uh, hoaxes or false flags, depending on what the incident is, or the, the, the flat earth is the fact that we have to break away from the deception that we're under. It's, just, it's a spiritual one, but God gave us a brain. And what's the best way for the ruling elite, if you will, to control us is what goes into our heads. What, what, we, what dominates between our ears, that's the best way to control the masses. And that's what we're under. A very strong delusion has been going on for 2,000 years. People are all waiting for the delusion to happen or this great falling away, as you hear from the Christians. But it already has happened. It's been going on for at least 1,600 years. So, with and it's just the, the, term, the, the term flat earther is synonymous with, you know, moron, idiot, you know, stupid. Um, and they've done a really good job at ingraining that in uh, people so they disconnect their brains and refuse to look. It goes right back to that group think. Um, you know, I, I, if people on videos, you know, the trolls come out and they start making stupid comments on Flat Earth videos, that really will meld the mind of somebody that's watching and doesn't know what to think. So, you know, it, it, it's just fascinating to me what's going on with that. There truly is a spiritual warfare going on. And people have misunderstood part of that spiritual warfare is that it's an intellectual warfare. In order for really uh, the Luciferians and the Satanists and the deceivers of this world to truly deceive you, they first got to convince you and to believe in things that aren't real. And this is where Hollywood comes in and with animation, with CGI imagery and everything. It's all about mind control and convincing you that you're seeing something that is not actually there. Comment? Yes. Well, yeah, yes. Well, what you're describing is an intellectual inquisition. inquisition. Absolutely right. In other words, we had an inquisition during the Dark Ages, and they controlled bodily. And if it wasn't for the Reformation, we had a glimmer of light. And that's what the Jesuits were designed to, is to put out totally the light and, and they have ingrained it so deeply. And I want to comment on Galileo and the Jesuits. If, if you trace back and really start digging, I mean, this, the Jesuits were instrumental in getting this earth going 67,000 miles, a spinning ball. Yeah. They were instrumental because that, they had to destroy the Bible. See, people, and you know, you know David, I I am looking forward to reading that book that because of you and seeing that is the problem that the world has people the reformation give us the bible and people we're not reading the bible we're listening to man we're listening to 
men that have came out of seminaries. Well, and more importantly, we're, we're not studying it, and they have blinded us with the fact that the the Bible equates to man-made religion, when reality is it's it's uh, it's the guidebook, if you will, of, of helping to understand your world. They want to tell. They're not going to tell you that the priestcraft. They're not going to tell you that because that if you come to the realization of what it really means, you have no more need for the pastor. You have no need more need for the the priest. You have no more need for the Lutheran Church or the Methodist Church or the Mormon Church or the any of the churches or uh, any of the other um, movements out there. Whether it's uh, the Eastern religions, you know, you don't need them anymore. You have a person. You have a mediator through Jesus Christ, and you have a personal relationship with God, and therefore you no longer need man. And so that's what that's all about. They're deceiving us because their power is nece- it's, it's, it's based on deception. They, and the funny thing of it is we have to have empathy and sympathy for the priest and for the pastor because they're the most deceived of all, just as the politicians and the world elite. They're under a incredible strong delusion, and they actually think they're doing what's right. But as whole, you, go ahead. God, sorry. I was going to say that the whole the whole thing. You know, people say, "Why does it matter the flat Earth versus the ball Earth?" Doesn't matter. There's more important things. Um, I I have I used to be that way, but now I realize it's probably one of the most important things because we there's a reason they want us to believe in the spinning ball Earth. You know, floating, flying through space in an infinite universe with you know, billions of other planets just like ours, you know, discovering Earth 2.0 every other day now, um, is because they want to cut us off from God. And exactly. they, they control us with religion. Um, you know, and, you know, humans are not like animals. Like, if you had a tiger and had him in a cage, he's going to be really pissed off. But if you put him in a nice big safari park, big enough, woods and everything, he's good. If he ever comes up to the fence, he'll turn around and go back into the woods, he's fine. You put a human in that park, as soon as he finds a fence, he wants to go over the fence. And that's what they did in uh, 1959 when they said uh, Antarctica is off limits. And, oh, by the way, the Van Allen radiation belt is also up. So they put a fence around us and a cap over us. And, uh, and, and that was it. You know, so, we're, so we're in our – this is all that there is, and they can keep us in control. Once people wake up to the flat earth, they lose control. Well, it's the, the house of cards, really, for the majority of humanity is going to be based on that. Once they realize that they lied to you about space and about the Earth, there's, and you, you should at that point at least realize that the government is a bunch of liars, that you're going to go to the point you're going to say, you know what, there's no reason to believe anything they just say. And uh, you see that the high priests uh, um, and the universities are going to start being questioned even more, and uh, the value of what the things that they they've uh, imposed upon us, whether it's a a a degreed a, a Freemasonic degreed education, or um, what you hear from school, or even from your own pastor, everyone's going to you know things are going to crumble based on this. That's why I was telling Jaron and and Jaron isn't there um, is that. Uh, this is huge. This is a huge, huge deal. If this catches fire, this would be in some ways, oh no, not quite, but some ways, the equivalent of the Reformation and how that um, caused such havoc in the Roman Empire. If people realize that the, science, the, the high priests of scientism have flat out lied to you over and over again, 
who, where do you go to? Now, part of this is also, I believe, they're exploiting this with the Albert Pike's, um, you know, that letter that he wrote to Mazzini about the Third World War, and that the, the people would um, be so discouraged they would not know who to turn to, and they then would turn once again back to them as they give you these truths, these realizations about you know, things like flat earth and all that. But they still want you to be subordinate to them and they will bow down to them. So it's fascinating. So it's it, this will be a cutting sword in humanity and who will follow the way, the truth, and life and who will follow man. And it really comes down, I know it sounds so simplistic and it sounds so religious, but if you can get past all that and just look at it for what it really is, that's what we're dealing with. We are under a spell of uh, man. Men trying to manipulate us and keep us in a box. But as you say, Dave, and as um, others like Mark Sargent, and, and, uh, you know, if people realize, if they finally wake up, that they're slaves to this system, that they've been deceived all their lives, that they're basically in a giant concentration camp, that they're going to go, wait a minute, Instead of wasting all our time and resources and what's feeding us a bunch of lies, why don't we solve the solution, the problem once and for all? Why don't you give us a real picture of the earth? Why don't you let us get go to the edge? Why don't we focus on these things? Because that's our nature is to break out and escape. That's the reason why they were able to colonize the world is because people rebelled against this institution that they were under this feudalistic institution, and they saw an opportunity to escape. Unfortunately, they were still not understanding the Word of God and killed, like, for instance, the Western Hemisphere, as we call it, uh, 120 million people. <laughs> well, regardless, you know, you know, they're still Christians, right? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> they're killing people. So, you know, it's, it's really a profound situation. I don't know how to explain it well enough day but only time will tell us how this all fall, falls out or plays out but it's an extremely important issue it, it ties in with 9-11 it ties in with everything else and you start to get the bigger bigger picture you'll realize how the spirit that's been upon humanity of lies and deceptions is falling away the, the scales before our eyes are falling away what will happen next year what will we find next year? We have to stay, uh, as you know, a lot of folks say, open. But I don't necessarily agree with being open-minded, but that's what some people say. I think just keeping your eyes open and keep yourself close to God. Really get close to God so that you can see even the bigger picture of what you're going through. Not to be in a fear, not to worry about what's going on or what's going to happen, but to understand your circumstances and to share the good news of other people. And most people aren't going to accept it, but we have to deal with that. We have to accept the fact that we don't control other people. We can't control uh, what people want. You know, I think one of the dangers, too, with this flat earth thing is to create it, turn it into a movement where movements are so easily usurped. I think we should just try to be as pure and as honest about this message as possible and not to try to make a movements where, you know, as you know, Dave, you have experience now, and I and myself through religion and, and my experience in East, the East Timor Action Network, which is something else we could talk about someday, that movements are the easiest of things for the um, priest of the, the high priest of Satan to infiltrate. 
And we have to be very cautious that we don't get caught up in the praise of men and say, you know what? I'm going to be part of this group. and I'm Because you know what happens? You compromise yourself. You say, well, I, don't... I, want to, I want to be in that group, and I'm going to compromise myself instead of focusing on the truth. Because the truth will, you know, it, it, what are you? Are you a lover of the truth or are you a lover of the praise of men, you know? So I'm not a part of any movement. I'm a part of, hey, look what I discovered. Look at this evidence. And, uh, and I'm, I'm talking with many people, such as yourself, other flat-earth researchers, and we're comparing notes. It's not a movement. It's a, it's a quest for the truth. But in every that's that danger that people will try to make that happen. That's what I see what's going on with like a guy like, uh, as much as we are indebted to a guy like Eric DeBay, it's these guys like him, you know, that they want a following. You know, they want to, and it turns into a movement. They say, well, I'm, we're going to have camps here. I'm going to be on this camp. You know, it's all divide and conquer, the whole concept. And once again, I don't know what happened to Eric DeBay. It's so sad. But, you know, he, he put out some good work, whether he made it himself or compiled it from other people's work. I don't care. It, it doesn't matter. I compile other people's work and then put it out in a different format. It's just about getting the message out. Um, Absolutely. I totally agree. In every, in every um, truth-seeking journey, 9-11, Sandy Hook, Boston, Flat Earth, whatever you want to do, Go. There's there's great researchers and there's complete morons. There's trolls. There's shills. There's everything mixed in and everything. And you have to sort out what's real and what's not real. Um, but you know the 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 shill network will go and they'll just find one person that said something stupid or or said something untrue or made a mistake or purposely said something untrue. Um, and they'll harp on that to try to discredit every everybody else. So people like, oh, you're a YouTube researcher. There's so many memes out there. I went to YouTube University. Well, let me tell you something. YouTube University <laughs> is better than any college out there because it has a diversity of every course that you want. You can find information on anything. I'm, I was actually tempted and, and to. You, and, you, and you can develop discernment through this tool, ironically can, enough, right. where you could not find in a university where you're only getting one message. There's a, there's a math professor, this Indian guy, I forget his name, um, who has, he does, um, he does it with a, with a whiteboard on YouTube. He teaches everything, every type of math that you would be learning in school. And he does it in a way that's so effective, so good, that kids are, are like ignoring their teachers because their teachers suck in math, and they just go to this. And tutors, the tutor math, are like, all right, I have to learn about this uh, quadratic equation or whatever. And if they're unsure, they're going to his videos and watching them before they tutor the kids. So it's all there. It's laid out better than you know, teachers regurgitating it and having a bad day or you know, tired this day. Or they don't relay the message so well. I'm telling you. I'd say the best college education is to get 10 families, you get your kids, you rent a house, 10 bedrooms, you put in a, 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 an RA, you know, you're, uh, someone to supervise, and you say, here's your curriculum. What do you want to study? Oh, you want to study uh, these, these fields? Here are your choices. Watch these videos. Then we, have a, we get together, we have a discussion, and guess what? You know, it's a beautiful, it's, it's July, it's a, a beautiful day. You know what? You're not going to be so effective at studying. Go to the beach, have a good time. Study tonight. It doesn't matter when you do it. You know, college kids are, are capable of getting their work done when it needs to get done. And so, so they learn so much more about managing time, getting the information together, and they would have a far better education than any Ivy League school. And they would also have the experience of living alone or living with friends. And then, 
part of their education also, I would send them around the world to different, you know, send them to China, experience that for a little while, have an exchange program between houses in other countries. And your college education would cost about $10,000 a year for far better than you can get anywhere else. So sorry to, to, to go on so long about that. but No, you're right. I mean, even like John uh, Taylor Gattles, you know, well, there's, the one thing that he really did give us uh, was an understanding of how the public school system is really designed to oppress uh, the individual's ability to be uh, an individual. Yeah, we <laughs> kids. I, I tell them, go ahead. It's designed for groupthink. It's not. Yeah. It's not designed for critical think. And what you were just describing, David, uh, you're you're right. If you just had, uh, if people could just look at the facts, and you said one other thing, you that hit it right is we're looking for the truth. I'm not following David. I'm not fi- following Michael. It isn't what we don't follow. We're not looking to man. And in other words, and once we see this. We're looking, we can see the intelligent design. We, one thing we can all, we realize now when you look at the earth and a different perspective of the earth or the flat earth, you realize that God built a support system. It's I mean, this is an incredibly uh, special place to live. In. It's a special place. D- David is in Connecticut. You're in, in Ohio and I'm in Oregon and we all need oxygen. Right. You know, and I, so so we see intelligent design. That is what the flat earth is is opening up people's mind to see that hey, something something bigger than us. See, there are there are some YouTubers out there that I uh, that I um, subscribe to and watch their videos. You know, that talk about everything from the parachutings to the big three, nine eleven, St. Hill, and Boston, and flat earth, and they have fantastic information, but on some of the points, they, they put out some stuff that I personally think is wrong. That doesn't make the rest of their stuff wrong. That means, okay, I'm not going to take that. Uh, you know, I hear what you said. I disagree. I'm willing to change my, informa- my, my uh, opinion based on new information, and that's how we learn. I mean, if you, you know, uh, everything I put out there, even though I think it's all right, it, there might be some things I've changed on. Like I used to be, you know, architects and engineers and 9-11 Truth, big supporter. Now I've deleted them from my uh, webpage, and, uh, and I warn everybody to stay clear of them. Yeah, well, as you grow, you learn. You start to discern better. You start to see who we learn from mistakes. Absolutely. You can't do it any other way. No. <laughs> that's, that's life. It's full, you know. We have more mistakes you know. than... than uh, you know, uh, accomplishments and being correct and things. So, and and that should be a, a great a great learning experience to realize how little you know, how how much you're wrong about, and how much you're willing to change things. You know, yeah. between your ears, not the world. I mean, but don't focus on changing the world. Focus on changing you, really changing you for once. And what does that mean? Um, it's not it's not a temporal thing. It's a spiritual thing and an intellectual thing. It's in between your ears. And once you know enough of the truth, then you can start sharing it with other people, and they don't have to take it, they accept it all. They're not, you know, it's, irreal, it's unrealistic to expect them to swallow it all at once, anyways. Also, the whole idea that you would ever agree with it completely with somebody—well, who has ever done that? I mean, how? If if that happens, um, there's a warning flag. You know what I mean. So, <laughs> we, we by disagreeing, by respectfully communicating, by willing to listen to people that might have 
you know, a background, a belief system that you don't agree with, you know, um, you can learn from it, you know. Take what you can use and throw out the rest, as the old saying goes, and um, start to develop the most, one of the most precious gifts that God has given us, which is discernment, which is fascinating because you hear, like, for instance, uh, other Christians, Christians always talking about discernment, discernment, and how lack of the discernment they actually have. Yeah, they think they have the discernment. And why don't they not have the discernment? Because they're stuck in a box of the group, the group thinking. They're they're not willing to break away because they know what the consequences are. If anybody's gone down the journey that I've gone down, which sounds like three of us have, I know Walt has, and it's from I'm listening to Dave, uh, well, you know, you have to part ways with a lot of people. Not because you don't care for them, or you don't, usually it's, it's like, else you do care for them, but you care about the truth more than, um, you know, being stuck and trapped and group thinking and being part of the group. And this is what they count on. They count on all of us to just find, just to belong. Belong to like, something. Belong to a group. You know what I mean? That's, you, you don't, you're nobody unless you belong. You know what I mean? That you're a part of something. This is the whole thing that's going on with the ecumenical movement with this one world religion and have to have you all united. But do we have to be all united? Really? I don't think so. I think that's like one of the worst things that humanity can do to themselves is to be all united, especially when it comes to such a powerful tool of mind control as religion. It's a terrible idea. It's just like politics and everything else. If everyone just followed the one group, the one guy, the God man on earth or whoever it may be, look what happens. We lose our ability to discern. We lose our ability to recognize rea- uh, the truth. Uh, the reality is right before us. Um, we are trapped intellectually, therefore physically too. So uh, it's really quite, it's a fascinating time. It's disturbing as well, but it's also reflective of what has always been. It's just the magnitude of it is so much greater because of the technology and everything. And uh, who will, who will really follow the way, the truth and life? Who will really want to know the truth? At, what cost are you willing to pay to know the truth? I think that's part of God's plan. Is how many people really want to know the truth? And uh, most people don't. You know, they get honest in life, just like I did the first 40-plus uh, years of my life. You know what I mean? It was all about me, 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 I, I, I. And now it's, it's, things are completely different. What are we going to say, Walt? Well, we live in a time with with, the, with the, all this technology like the computer. We, no, there's not one man can tell us exactly how it works. But uh, <laughs> what, what, I, what I found out, what, what I find so interesting, you know, is when you find somebody that will just, listen, I can't prove, I mean, but I'll say this, the evidence is we're flat, okay? But, you know, the... The, they cannot prove a ball. And one of the things I found so interesting is when I've been watching flat earth comments on the, on the YouTube is that they, all the flat earthers know that the moon was a hoax. Okay. And well, then they, yes, they know the moon landing was a hoax and then they understand nine 11. See, it, it, it kind of goes down. It kind of goes downhill they, they start thinking. And I, I had a man call me last night from Canada, and he, he's trying to, it was funny because, you know, they, they claim they've been to Pluto, you know, and we're spinning at 
you know, we're spinning and, and we're, you know, and we're supposed to be having radio communications with Pluto, you know, with something that went to Pluto. I mean, it's absolute, when you absolutely stop and think, like last night, I went down to watch the sunset so I could see the green flash. I haven't seen it. I'm going to stick to it until I see it once. I know it's real, you know, but I sit there on the beach, and it was a pretty good night, but the reason I didn't see that last night, it was a little bit of smoke and haze, that unlimited visibility that is not there every day. But as I sit there, I look, I go, which way is north? I looked up north. There's the, you know, magnetic north. And I'm watching that earth, and I'm, I'm going to mark it on the 21st of December. <clears throat> and I've looked at flat earth models of the sun, of the circuits. The Bible says it's in a circuit. And it makes so much sense now when you think about as... And, and right now, up in Alaska, it's, they have dark days. Most of the day is dark because the sun is in a circuit that's further away. But as it moves towards June, June 21st, it's in a tighter circle. So, so it's, they almost have 24-hour daylight in, 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 uh, in Alaska. You see, it makes sense. When God it, gives it, it makes perfect sense. It, it makes it, perfect sense. Think about this, too. I watched the sunset yesterday, and the sun set, and it stayed twilight for like an hour. It was um, because of where I am in the sun's path, it literally didn't go from day to the, the transition was very, very long. If the earth was a spinning ball, as soon as it disappears over the horizon, we should be in dark. You know, it, there might be a little reflected light under the clouds. But it should get dark really fast. But what we see is that sun, the light, travel away. So there, there's two big, you know, flat earther arguments. Well, if the, if the earth was flat, you would see the sun all the time. No, because the laws of perspective and the vanishing point and the false horizons by any bumps on earth, which are people, trees, clouds, cars, mountains, hills, whatever, um, waves, they all create bumps, which create a false horizon. But that's not a, the only thing that makes the sun go away. Light only travels a certain distance. Maybe it's only 3,000 miles, 5,000 miles, somewhere in there. So at a certain point, you can't see light anymore. It doesn't go forever like they tell us. You know, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. You watch the sun cur curve like a bowling ball going down a lane, and it just curves away, and the light just follows it. How dare you use your brain, David? Yeah, I know. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Your brain. You know, here's another thing, too, is uh, uh, Tuesday, for the first time, I witnessed what I've been seeing and what other folks like yourself are talking about, about like, clouds behind the moon. It was about 6, 6.30 in that period. My mom, of all people, 84 years old, she's I thought I was nuts, and she's actually come around and said, you know, you guys actually make a lot of sense. You might be just, you're right. It's funny. But, uh, uh, you know, she goes, oh, you look at the moon. It's really brilliant. It's awesome out tonight. I'm going to get my camera take a picture of this, what she said. And I said, oh, okay. I was, you know, doing laundry over the mom's place. And, and um, so I'll go out there with you. What the heck is see? And I said to myself, well, maybe I'll see clouds behind the moon. And sure enough, and I don't know, it's just part because big part of it is probably the angle because I, I couldn't sleep that night. I was tracking the moon every hour, going outside looking at it. But uh, around that time period, sure enough, whether it was an optical illusion or not, what I saw for the first time in my life was clouds behind the moon. I don't know. What do you think about that, Dave? Have you experienced 
that one is is a hard one to wrap my head around. I believe it happens. It, that means that the moon is really close, or some clouds are, you know, a decent distance from us. Um, there's there's there is definitely something to it. Um, it it's you know, and I've seen it. I've seen it on videos, and you know, it's. Uh, I was looking at it myself one night, and it was. I'm like, like, well, that could just be, you know, that the moon is bright, and I, I think they're going behind it, but there's something to it, you know. That what we see in the sky is not anything that would, you know, that we're taught to believe it is. The moon, if you notice, the next time you look at the moon at night, all of the dark spots. The reason they're dark is because the sky is black behind it. And if you look at the moon, the full moon, half moon, whatever, during the day, you'll see the blue sky behind the moon. So you're seeing through those craters for, you know, if that's what you want to call them, are spots where you can see through the moon. And if uh, the I even seen a weirder thing than that. I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong because, you know, Tuesday yeah. I was paying attention and as the clouds get came in, you know, from thank you to your geoengineering folks, um, there's time periods, and one in particular where the, the moon it was in this, you know, I could see it, you know, the clouds were parted, and I was paying attention to that moon, I was paying attention to the sky, and I swear, I don't know how it happened, I don't know if there's like some really dark, dark clouds and higher in the, the strat, you know, the atmosphere, <clears throat> I saw it firsthand, I have no idea what to say. I saw the moon go dark on its own. I mean, it literally went black. That's interesting. And I know that. I was like, well, I, this all just, I didn't like it. Sometimes, you know, God, I was like, what the heck's happening? <laughs> Why are you not taking me down this journey? Uh, what am I seeing? What's going on? And, uh, and I'm like, oh, gosh, just something else to make the rest of the world think I'm crazy. I swear to God, I saw the moon go dark. Oh, not only that, but I'm seeing because I've been paying attention now more than I ever did. And I, one thing I recognize is how little attention I ever paid to the moon. I just, oh, there's the moon. Gone my whole life, you know. And I'm back to looking down at the ground and I'm looking up and like the shades, like the uh, one time the shadow of the moon, you know, he had you know, there was like a shadow on the very top of it. Uh, and I'm, then I'm, a lot of times I've seen the moon kind of pulsate, and I'm thinking, well, is this my eyes? You know, is it because I'm not stable enough? Because human beings, you know, we shake around. If you notice that, like with the pedocular and the moon or something like that, you'll shake a lot. You know, you know we don't we really, at least for me, I can't. Maybe it's because of my age and MS and all that. But uh, I still can walk and all that kind of thing. So, um, and I think to myself, what the heck is going on? This this thing is not behaving like I've been told. It's not behaving like a a, uh, a spheroid rock or you know something made out of, of dirt, you know, or sand. And and what's going on? And so go back to what Dave said. They say you know you can see through the moon, and I'm like, so you can actually see stars and planets through the moon when there's a uh, crescent moon, and where the rest of the moon should be. If you zoom in with a, a decent lens um, and there happens to be a star behind it in that area of the sky, you'll see it. Or if another planet is in line with the moon, um, you'll see it through the moon, which is impossible if the moon was a solid rock. You know, if you look at, uh, there's videos um, of people with their, with their P900 cameras or whatever, zooming in on stars and zooming in on Venus. 
when you really zoom in on it and we're not showed the, the BS that NASA shows us of these fake worlds, um, you see a shimmering, energetic uh, light source with a personality all of its own. Um, it's not a ball reflecting sunlight. Um, we don't see phases of the planets. You know, we see um, an energetic light. You know, all the planets are named after gods. You know, yeah. they're, 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 you know, um, uh, you know. When I when I think of what's going on up there, you know, the real science used to be astrology, the one I laughed at my entire life. How you know the position of a rock in space affecting your life. But if these are sentient beings, energetic beings, um, or you know. We live in a holo, you know, for lack of a better word, we live in a holographic world. These are the projectors of our world, of our reality. All of these wandering stars, which are the planets, all of the stars, um, which could be, you know, for lack of a better word, souls. Um, and all of the, the excuse me, sorry, all of the um, things that we call the space station and satellites that are whizzing around, those are just smaller, closer, moving faster. You know, I watched the space station go by twice a couple of weeks ago, two days in a row, and uh, it was a bright, illuminated light. I caught it on a telescope for a couple of seconds, and uh, it's not a, a piece of metal up there reflecting sunlight. It is its own light source, um, and there's something amazing to it, and they, that's why they came up with the space station, I believe, because they needed a way to explain what this thing was that is uh, orbiting our flat plane. Interesting. And, you know, it's, I know this is going to be super far-fetched, and I'm not saying it's so, but when I'm thinking about the ISS and, you know, it, could it, you know, going on the line that you're talking about, could it be actually Lucifer himself that people are saying? <laughs> it's just a suggestion. I'm not saying it's true, but why I, not? I don't know. Why no. not? They got satellites, not satellites, but they got the uh, um, uh, telescopes that are acronyms as Lucifer. They seem to be tracking him and looking for him. You know what I mean? Who knows? I don't know. I, I mean, I know I as far as the White House, actually. Yeah. Well, he, well he's, according to the Bible, he's actually in Rome, so he's in the Vatican. Um, he's in the Vatican yeah. You know, the, which the, an extension would be the White House, you know, because like Walt said, it is, it's actually capital line and it's a temple. It's a temple to the uh, Apollyon. I um I I <laughs> realized that the Earth was flat um, before I gave in to the ideas that satellites in the space station was fake. Um, and their only reason is is because I hadn't looked into it yet. But I saw the facts on the shape of our planet, and I came to the realistic conclusion that it's not a spinning ball. Um, and that's when I started the show Baller Skeptic, mm-hmm. um, which we did a, a twelve series on. Uh, it's on YouTube. If you want to check it out, uh, we did some uh, had some great discussions, but. The um, where is it going with that? The the um, oh yeah, satellites. If you think about it, a 747 um is it's not too much smaller than uh, the space station. Um, it's basically the same size. Um, and flying at you know thirty five forty thousand feet, um, it looks like a tiny little speck up in the sky. You can barely see it at cruising altitude if you on a clear day. Would you guys agree? Sure. Right. Uh, so, sure. so it's a tiny little speck. Well, the space station is supposedly 25 times farther up, and we can see it with our naked eye. Impossible. It would be invisible. It would be invisible. Um, well, what well, it makes, it, it makes the question: How could, how deceived are we as, uh, as humanity to to actually believe that we could see the 
the space station uh, with her naked eye. <laughs> to make it worse, to make it worse, at the same altitude are tens of thousands of satellites that I can see. I can I can track them. Um, when the skies are clear, you can watch a satellite, what, what we call a satellite, whiz across the sky, um, and that's the size of a Volkswagen at best, let alone a 747, 25 times farther than a 747 flies, and where we're supposedly be able to see that. I mean, it's laughable. You know, my new favorite comment is to somebody that's really not getting it. I'm like, you're so dumb, you probably think the Earth is a ball. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I want to make a comment on the moon. You know, Carol, when she's beaten me up for the last eight years about, and but, but what I notice when I've been moving around, listening to flat Earth uh, uh, documentaries, that how how all all of them are talking about the moon. I was just like uh, you, uh, Michael. I didn't pay too much attention to the moon until I until Carol brought it to my attention. And and I, I'm going to go down now. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to go down and, and on a cycle like, and I, I could have done it. I could have done it today. Is to watch the moon set, see, and in correlation where, where the sun sets. You know, we 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 haven't. And the Bible mentions a, you know. And there's another thing too with all the flat earths. They realize it's all it's making its own light, and that's what the Bible says. And of course, there'll be people with. I mean, I've already listened to they will try to argue that, but the Bible says that the moon makes its own light. And I, just the other night, it was just the other morning, to tell you the truth, I, was, I got up early and I was outside, and, and it was so bright out. You, and everybody's done this at a certain time, especially when, you know, you know like I've been in, in uh, when I was driving truck and going back and forth across the United States, is, is, is how bright how bright yesterday because of the visibility and very see that's the problem i have you're living on the coast because of the humidity and everything you know we don't get those clear days as much but it was so bright yesterday morning that you could read it you could read a newspaper see and and i find it very interest interesting the fact that the people that are looking into this all of a sudden we're, we're coming out of our cocoons and we're testing this and we're testing that well, See, yeah, even the, like to go back to like the stars that was mentioned earlier, and how they are uh, potentially not what they're saying, and that they're in line with what the Bible says that they're actually uh, angels, souls, you know, something like that. I was looking at, uh, you know, I saw a video about Venus, and so I decided to do the same thing, and sure enough, that thing with the naked eye is bouncing all over the place, and so I started paying attention to other. Um, stars and they change and they morph and they do all these weird things and people will say, well, that's a refraction of light and all that kind of stuff. But sorry, I don't. I'm not buying into it anymore. I'm not buying into anything that uh, the scientists say uh, without giving me some solid, solid facts. So what's going on with the stars? I don't know if you, Dave, have you noticed this? Well, have you noticed this? Uh, when you stare at the stars, that they kind of bounce around a little bit. Either one of you, or do you think I'm nuts? Wait, what's the question about the stars? Well, the stars, they kind of have their own kind of, uh, we, I know they're stationary throughout the sky kind of thing, but as you watch them, you really try to focus on the star, that it kind of dances, it kind of moves yeah. around a little they, bit. They, they're energetic. If you really zoom in, and, uh, and again, if they're the trillions of miles away that they say they are, zooming in with a 900, you know, 
time zoom or whatever would do nothing. But when you zoom in, they get bigger because they're close. The stars are not farther than the sun and the moon, and everything is within a relatively close distance. Yeah, um, and they're like they're you know they all have each one has a unique shape to them and, and color and yeah. and and the way it vibrates. If you go to a Ball Earth Skeptic on Facebook, um, I have a link of someone just put up a video not too long ago of um, of Venus, and you look at it, you realize this is not terra firma. This is a, a sentient being of some sort or energy source, um, and it's the, not the bare, what bare, we're told. The bare minimum is it's light. The bare minimum. You have to you have to come to that conclusion just by watching the pattern and watching what it's doing. It's it's behaving like a light. And if they say, well, it's because you know they're a star. Well, first of all, it doesn't matter. This whole thing about <laughs> you get to the point that you know the first, especially math. If you look at math and the use of deception through math and how they use it as a way to, it's like it's their form of magic. They use math to just you know, math is true. I mean, you can use it in your daily life, certainly. But when you start to bring up these magical numbers of trillions of miles away and et cetera, we, you have to come to the conclusion that they're making it all up. It, it, they're it's totally it made up, and they're Luciferian numbers that they're using. You know, like Polaris is uh, between um, X number of light years and X number of light years. Well, if you take the difference, it's like 666 trillion miles that, uh, of difference. You know, so they can't even tell you how close that is. So maybe something's completely wrong with their math. But everything is 666 with them. Yeah, and they use their, their Roman and their Greek gods. And if you look at, uh, like, the number 666, it, it, it breaks up into many different things. But one of the things that is overwhelming and probably is obvious why the Apocrypha was written the way it was written in such a kind of cryptic form was to uh, because they were living under the Roman Empire, and at the Latin man, it uh, it really comes from Rome. <laughs> it's, their, it's their sacred number, so they they implant it everywhere, everywhere they go, everywhere you go, whether it's the financial system, it's the cosmology, if it's whatever it is, you can count on at some point that number is going to show up. And along with uh, things like 33 and 13 and other, these, you know, 93, et cetera, all these sacred numbers to them. So I think it's very big, big, uh, behooved on us as uh, believers in God to know the cult only and in in, in the way they work, only to not be deceived. Not really practice it, but to, to understand that you're being deceived. These are like signals that they allow the, that those in the know, as they, they like to call themselves the enlightened ones, that, hey, listen, we're behind this, and this is just uh, one of our, our grand lies. I think, it, I think it's very interesting. Uh, the book, The Earth is Not Moving, by Marshall Hall, he passed away about three years ago, but on the front cover, The Earth is Not Moving, over 400 years of deception exposed. The Bible told the truth all along. And in part two, chapter two, is mathematics, liar in truth's clothing. <laughs> That's chapter two. So it kind of fits into what you guys were just talking about, mathematics. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a crazy ride. So here's, here's a guy like Dave. Dave, you said a year ago you're, you considered yourself an atheist, right? True. So here you are now, year and the advancement that you've had uh, with coming to the realization that there is a God. 
Um, and then you see this happening with other people too. That it's, it's truly, I believe it. Uh, well, I believe it that this is the spirit of God working upon the earth to wake up his 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 children, his elect. And you, uh, that's, you uh, mentioned earlier. I think you were referring to December twenty first, first two thousand and twelve, where something big was supposed to happen. Um, I, I think that something big did happen on that day, and it is the apocalypse. The apocalypse is the lifting of the veil, um, and so people can see. But it doesn't happen on you know instantly. It's not like you know you're jumping out of bed on on our time scale. It takes a few years, and and since December twenty first, two thousand twelve, um, the discussions on nine eleven on on flat Earth on any of these subjects have become a lot easier. Like I. I couldn't even bring up 9-11 to people um, be, much before that without them flipping out. But now you bring it up, they're like, yeah, tell me more. Where can I get more information? There, people are waking up to the reality um, that, you know, of all of, these, of all of these things that are going on. Um, the, the problem that I see is, you know, we have the Internet where we can reach everyone, or, you know, most people around the world within Seconds. We have this amazing tool where we can record the show, we can put it out, and people all over the globe can get it and watch it. And it's still difficult to get the word out there from what's going on because everybody's so fluoridated, vaccinated, and mind controlled. They cannot, um, they they do not see it, do not hear it, will not watch it, and even when they do. Um, it's difficult to get it to sink in. I'm thinking that, you know, if it gets to the point where the camel's back is going to break, where we get to the tipping point, all they got to do is flick a switch, turn off the Internet, and it doesn't matter. I mean, you think it's hard to reach people now. Try it without the Internet. I mean, maybe there was pockets of people that knew about the flat earth, um, you know, decades ago, but they just couldn't get the word out, you know. Maybe, maybe all the people in Jonestown knew, you know, and that's why they're all dead now. Or who knows? I mean, I'm making that up, but it could be, it would, it would be nearly impossible without the internet. So, you know, as people are waking up, it, it's great, but we need to wake people up faster and uh, by whatever means to get them to wake up to one of these. You know, I was focusing on the big three. You wake anyone up to Sandy Hook 9-11 or Boston, all of a sudden their eyes are open and then they're in the rabbit hole and they can't get out. Um, but now the flat earth, um, I think, is even more effective. Um, just got to find the proper way to get people to let go of their ball. Well, yeah, well, all this is all part of this idolatry that's been pushed on us and all these false idols that we've believed in in all our lives. And they are so stacked up, so layered. And uh, I really, you know, part of the problem, well, I, I can only say for myself, my own journey, you have to pick away at one issue at a time to even get to the point, for most people, at least for myself, to even consider just uh, what you're talking about, about the flat earth. I mean, you hear this, uh, Mark Sargent did this, sounds like you went through this, Walt went through this, I've gone through this, and so all of us have gone through this, it sounds like, where we have to go from one issue to the next to really get to the point of embracing what is self-evident and clear before our faces. I think that's, that's once again, shows the degree of the deception that we're all under. So it's, uh, you know, this whole thing, you know, I'm better than the next person type of attitude, or I got it all figured out, which I see in uh, a lot of different groups, including the Christians. It needs to be dropped. We need to be able to start communicating and start listening. Like Walt said, you know, one of the most important ways to learn is just to step back and listen. 
step back and listen, spend the time um, listening to a guy like Dave Weiss, etc., or Walt Stickle, and uh, others, and just uh, start building the picture of your reality. And soon, pretty soon, uh, I believe the Spirit of God works on you, and you start seeing things more and more clearly. And, you know, funny thing, the more and more you realize this stuff, the less and less, at least for me, uh, the less and less fear I have. I'm willing to face the truth now. Right. As, as the, you know, you know, Plato's allegory of the cave type of thing. You know, I'm still now willing to face the light. I'm willing to recognize what's right before me. Waking now, up from, from being completely asleep is, is equivalent to finding out that your parents are serial killers when you're sleeping, that they go out and they kill babies and eat their hearts. It, it's, it's horrifying to, to find out that the government, who's supposed to be taking care of you, is the opposite. But, and then when people um, start realizing that, that's when they shut down and they stick their heads back in the sand. But if you can get through that, get through the anger and depression and fear, you come out the other side side empowered and you disconnect yourself from the matrix that they have created and you stop feeding energy into it. And that's how we win. People, you know, throw up their hands. Well, we have no control. They control everything. That's not true. They control everything because we give them control. We give them our consent. We give them our energy. Once you're aware of the deception, you are disconnected from the matrix. It's literally like the documentary with Keanu Reeves called The Matrix, where he takes the red pill, he now sees the truth, and he's disconnected from the matrix, and there's no going back in. All right. And we do also fascinating movie. A very yeah. lucif- very luciferian too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Why you we, so, we, but a lot we, of truth we, in it too. That's the interesting thing about the Luciferians. They are seem to be res- they feel that responsible that they have to share the truth along with their lives. So go ahead, Walt. And uh, we do know that God exists because we're talking. I I've never met David, but I've heard him on another broadcast, so I recognize his voice as soon as he come on the broadcast. And we're experiencing a miracle right now. Oh yeah, and just like now the sun is coming through the window, and I have a completely different. I mean, you know, somebody <laughs> they've told us that it's hydrogen burning. You know, and, you know, you know, and I heard of somebody. I just the other day I'm talking about. You know, to me now it's just a light bulb. It's electricity. You know, I'm getting the, the impressions. The, the uh, impressions. That's what that solar panels are about. Our world is our world is a giant battery, and those uh, the the moon and the sun could be like the so the node the anode, and we're just right. like a giant battery. And this it goes <laughs> along with the, like what you were talking about earlier about 9/11, how they had cut the, down the foundation first to turn it all the they had to disc uh, unground it. So we live in an electric universe. Everything is electric and magnetic. The sun and the moon are uh, cathode and and diode or whatever the opposites are. And they're quantumly locked against our magnetic uh, earth with the center being the North Pole. Um, I I made a video um, on the DITRH channel called uh, Flat Earth Meets, uh, or do we we live on a ball or something like that? Flat Earth Meets. Um, the electric universe, and it shows exactly how the moon and the sun rotate, um, <clears throat> locked into position, and I believe that all of the other things that circle around us are connected to our magnetic North Pole. Um, it, makes, it makes sense. You know, gravity is oh, a lie. Absolutely. We, we, we have anti-gravitics. Think about, you know, uh, maglev 
uh, trains and, and stuff, you know, a magnet, you can get it to float in the air. Well, is that because it's defying gravity or is that because it's electromagnetic, therefore gravity is electromagnetic in nature? Gravity is, doesn't, you know, the gravity of the moon doesn't pull on the waters. The electromagnetism of the moon pushes on the waters. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at, and that's uh, the Coriolis effect for the amount of it that does exist, um, and I'm only referring to storms in the inner northern hemisphere spinning clockwise and in the outer southern hemisphere spinning counterclockwise is because the sun and the moon are going down the track in the middle in between the Tropic of Capricorn and the Tropic of Cancer, and they're kind of just plowing through, like your hand plowing through water. Get a tub of water, plow your hand through it, and you'll see that the water will spin off in opposite directions on both sides. Electromagnetism does affect salt water, and we can prove it with experiments. The, the spinning of the, the Coriolis effect because of a spinning ball cannot be recreated with experiments. You know, and there's another thing. Uh, uh, this notion is uh, with uh, hydrogen chloride or salt water, you can't even have it. Now, if you think about the Bible and how God described how he created the world and the he created the uh, land and the oceans, the, the waters first before the moon and the sun. And if you think about a battery, that's just what you would need. You would have to have hydrogen chloride. You would have to have a. It's the, the correlation I'm, I'm getting between the necessity for salty seas, nor even to have the sun and the moon. They're, they're connections. You know, does it make sense? Because if we were a giant battery, you need to have the salt water in order to have the sun and the moon. Interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it was all fresh water, you wouldn't have the sun or the moon. We are light beings. You know, we grow vegetables in the garden. You know, I have this, um, this garden um, where I have a ring of dirt around a uh, no parking sign, and I put bamboo all through it, and, it, and the, these cucumbers climb up, and I'm getting 10, 15 cucumbers every day. Um, and at the end of the season, the dirt's still there. So where did the cucumbers come from? And what they are is a collection of photons from the sun in a, a, a arranged in a form of a cucumber. And we eat these photons and we live off of photons because we are light beings. So is the sun a burning ball of hydrogen? The last time I lit a ball of hydrogen on fire, it blew up and, and it was gone in a split second. It didn't burn for 100,000 years consistently warming us, you know, because we're in the, in the imaginary Goldilocks zone. It's... <laughs> It is a, a, a source of energy. It is the source of life. You know, um, it is a, a, the son of God, you can call it, or, or, or whatever. Um, and it powers everything. And you mentioned solar panels. You know, um, I could build a fire next to a solar panel, and it's not going to turn on um, it, because it's different. It's not the heat or the just light photons. It's the energy, the electric energy from the sun. The sun is a capacitor beaming energy at the earth and the solar panel is just a collector of that electricity and converts it into dc electricity um, from what it is i mean everything we're taught is a lie interesting so like uh, the sun sorry well just want to say this so the sun would be like the positive charge the moon would be the negative charge all necessary for life right and uh but it's interesting also the bible says that uh that there was a light before it all and that the that they uh, earth and the plants and everything were there before. So even that is fascinating. What the, you know, is that his light? Who's talking about God's light? You know, because God's supposed to be you know this uh, light. 
he's got to be a light, like you said, like kind of a I don't want to call it a light beam because it's nobody really described God, but uh, um, from we were reading the scriptures, uh, the fire and of light and that kind of thing. So, but um, go ahead, Walt. Because the more we talk about this and we just share what David sees, what Michael sees, what Walter sees, we see an intelligent designer, you know, in uh, uh, in like uh, you see, uh, we we and I know we're a minority, but there's a lot of very bright people in this world that don't uh, don't believe in heliocentric, you know. You know, I mean, and I used to stand. Well, I, I mean, I, I didn't I think, know about. I'm going to say something. I, I, uh, well, I think the problem is, is just like me. You know, here's a guy who uh, went to like Indiana sand dunes and Michigan, the Michigan City and all that. And you could see, you know, on a on a good day, any summer. I know that uh, if, if I saw it, that tens of thousands, if not more, people have seen uh, Michigan. Michigan skyline, uh, what we now know as the Will's Tower, in its entirety, down at the very water, you know, a couple of feet above the water, you know, as you're splashing around. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, well, why do I now know what I know? It's because somebody explained to me, somebody told to me about the math and how it doesn't work, that I now know the worth is flat because of my visually I saw it. I used my God-given senses. I, I you know, along with the, you know somebody explained to me that if it was a round ball, that the math should be different, and I should not be seeing hardly any of uh, Chicago. And um, the funny thing, of, uh, you know, here's in, 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 you know we think about the Willis Tower and man's grandiosity and building, you know, this huge t- uh, building. It looks like an obelisk, basically, kind of. And uh, that is, if, if people would just know, like, in my neck of the woods, just to look at the Wills Tower when you're at the beach and ask yourself why you can still see it. Because now you got, like, a focal point, which you never had before. Like, if you're in the Chicago side, the west side of uh, Lake Erie, you know, because of Wauskamai, I can't see the other side. Well, the other side is nothing but sand dunes and trees. The fellow's building is like a couple hundred miles away um, in in Michigan, and like Grand Rapids and all that have nothing. You know, forty-story buildings. You know, but anyways, the thing the matter is, the reason I can't see anything is because there's nothing to look at. But Chicago is a great landmark to look at, especially uh, those towers. So, my point being all that is, until somebody explains to you what you're looking at, what the reality is, you can't recognize it. That's the truth. It's been taken away from since. So it wasn't until the guys like Dave and and Mark Sargent and and, and Eric DeBays and all the other guys in explaining to me. You know, one of the best for me was uh, the Margell. Uh, the Margell. Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan. Yeah, he he really reached to me. Reached to me. So you know. Um, but the beginning phases, you know, just to be think about it, you had to listen to guys like Dave and all that. And somebody had explained to me what I'm looking at. And once I finally comprehended what was being explained to me, I'm like, well, well, of course, I've seen it all my life. And I think that's the whole problem. Right. We're t- we, we believe what we're told that we see. We don't think for ourselves. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and that's, what we're, that's what we're doing right now, see. We're, we're, yeah. we're sharing experiences. So, we're sharing what we're seeing. Right. 
when I when I first woke up to the flat earth, I'm like, this is amazing. And then um, I, I'm a, a kite surfer, and I was going going kite surfing, and I got to the beach, and it, uh, the wind kind of died down. It's a nice day, so I I broke out my chair right on the water's edge, and I'm sitting there looking out um, north northwest eastward down to Long Island Sound, and I could see really far, clear day. And there's a barge, a tugboat pulling a barge. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch this barge. And I watched it completely disappear from the bottom up over the horizon. Completely gone, couldn't see it anymore. Broke out my binoculars, there it was again, all the way down to the waterline. I could see the whole thing. And, uh, and then it disappeared again. And I'm sure if I had a telescope, I could have seen it again, but it was getting a little foggy um, you know, at that distance. But things just come up. And that did it for me right there. I'm like, that's impossible. You know, I knew, I knew it was, uh, I was seeing it probably 15 miles away or maybe a little farther. Um, and it's gone. I mean, it's gone and then it's back. So that, that's the, the thing that pushed me over the edge. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, go ahead, go ahead Walt. Yeah. Well, you know, I go back to Carol. I go back to Carol. She was, she's been so adamantly, flat earth and because of the bible she gets she got it strictly from the bible but you know uh uh you know this has been so i think what we're experiencing and i'm i, I we're, we're experiencing is that fact that it, you know we have had our reality so much of our reality put right in front of us in other words they produce the reality in other words right from get-go i mean that I mean, I wasn't uh, wasn't until about 1996 when I was driving truck. I mean, in other words, you, that I heard heard there was two theories, heliocentric and geocentric. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. And, and, most, uh, and, most, and most people don't know that either, those two terms. I mean, yeah. it, it, but in one in one sen- in one sense, David, you know, it's it's been it's been there. We just haven't seen it. And now with the with the internet, y- yeah, yeah, I, I see. And, and you got people. Like uh, Tagger Dan, uh, put, get, putting a level out on the horizon, and you know, I mean, it gets you thinking. See, it gets you out of the of the reality that they've. You, they've you know, the other, the other thing is too, Walt, is that it's the, the joy of discovering a truth. As truth seekers, most of what we discover is negative, but to find something that is absolutely, you know, at least for me, it's, 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 it's solid. I don't, you know, wh- what the edges are, I don't know. What's on top, I don't know, because I'm not there. I can't see it. Therefore, I'm not going to worry too much about it. Like, so I'm going to focus on it, and I'm going to hope somebody finds out. But I found it, I discovered a truth. That's what's so exciting about this for me, and I think for everyone else. There's a truth that I found. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and I think it is a profound truth that shatters all the illusions in the, the, the House of Cards. And if we could just get people to understand what the world really is, at least what it looks like, what we're really on is a plane. It's flat. It's okay. You know, don't worry about it. You know, they're calling it dumb because they don't want you to know the truth. But if you come to know this one simple fact, it's it's, it's such a freeing, freeing uh, truth. Once again, I keep on saying truth, truth, but you know, people say, well, you, you, just, you know, that, what is truth? Hey, what, where can you find truth? You know, well, we just we are talking about a truth. It's no longer a speculation, at least for us. Um, it's not an idea. It's not um, a concept. 
we found a truth. That's, that's freeing. You know what it says? It says the degree of deception, the mind control that we're all under. I think that's why it's so exciting, why so many people like Dave and others are so excited about sharing it. It's because they found a truth. <laughs> because everything else, is, is everything else from the newspapers to the nightly news is all of, just nothing but propaganda. Yeah. Just, you know, it, it's... It, it's uh, you, you know, there's one thing I, I, I you know, I used to, I used to own a Cessna 150 uh, as a, a, an airplane, and I've it was it took me uh, 20 some years to realize that I had an airplane so I could fly around the plane. <laughs> Somebody tired that on one of the one of the videos, you know, and uh, you know it's 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 been a real uh, you, you know one thing I didn't I didn't want to change this is flat Earth. But I, 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 I got to do some more research. There's some good videos out there, and maybe you can refer me to some. But of these two maps, see, I find this very interesting. Now, I, I flew across the United States in my 150 in 1977 using sectionals. And, uh, you know, I didn't have all the, the you know, I, I did most of my, my navigating dead reckoning. And... Uh, and I can say for this that the maps that I used on the sectionals, they were accurate. I mean, you know, I mean, that's how I, I mean, I'd look out the window and find a, a, a checkpoint and I'd, I'd have 10 mile checkpoints, you know, and, uh, but uh, I'm really interested. Could you t- t- talk a little bit, uh, uh, David, about the, the two maps? The, the flat earth maps? Well, in other words, I, I can't pron- even pronounce the name. There's two na- There's two maps that they use, they started, they quit, they quit, they quit the, using a particular amount. Are you familiar with that? The act, I, I have a problem with the name of the aquamuthal equidistant map. Don't, I yeah, think I put you yeah, that. Yeah, yeah well, I, but I, I want to, because see, the, see, the thing of it is, is I, I have a, a globe here on my desk, a, a graven image, by the way, uh, the second commandment tells me that that's a graven image. And, uh, but see, why people get mixed up is that they look at that globe and they think that's the way the Earth Earth is, but that they they got the wrong map. Now I know I haven't flown from continent to continent, you know, but uh, like I find it so interesting trying to book book a uh, a nonstop flight from uh, uh, South Africa uh, to to Australia, you know, because it's it's it, the, Everything is not where you where you think it's at. See, and uh, that's the next thing I want to I want because I'm just like you, David. I can't. There's those two maps. I can't pronounce those the the, the, the two the, the two different name uh, maps that they, and that's been a, a part of the deception too. And but I fully understand though, as a pilot, why we have all these commercial airliners. Why the pilots can't figure it out, because they're flying by wire. They're flying by GPS. Uh, you know, you know, you, you, they 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 they, uh, they they take off. They get a hold of approach. Approach tells them to fly a certain heading. Or, they're not even looking out the windows. They 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 just follow. You know, absolutely. Uh, and and even if they did wake up to it, who do they talk to? Because whoever they talk to is going to report them, and they're going to lose their job, lose their pension, and you know, it, it they're not going to go anywhere. There was recently a flight from uh, Bali 
to um, LAX. And on the way from Bali to LAX, um, not too far off the coast, um, a woman was went into labor. Um, so the plane had uh, two choices, it, uh, three choices. It could turn around and go back. It could go about the same distance it's already traveled and stop in Hawaii. Or it can continue a little bit farther and land at LAX. But instead, it went to Alaska, which is a left-hand turn um, and is much farther. But if you look at it on a flat Earth map, it makes perfect sense. It was a straight line to Alaska um, because it was right in line with it. And, you know, they're not going to go out of their way. They're going to go to the nearest place possible. And and there it was uh, on Alaska, at Alaska. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's it it takes your breath away when you start realizing what what your, your reality. I mean they they have actually molded your reality. I mean, and not only just for me, all of us. We we we've been in this, and that's what's so kind of exciting, because for the first time too, we see we're not we're we're not some some just spaceship sailing through uh, space at sixty seven thousand miles an hour. We are the center. Wait a minute. It, it, the Earth is spinning a thousand miles an hour. It's going around the sun at sixty-six thousand miles per hour, traveling around the galaxy at like six hundred thousand miles per hour, and the galaxy is flying through the universe at close to the speed of light. So we're traveling in four different directions at the same time. Spin. It's laughable, isn't it? You know, it is. It, when you we should and, all be really dizzy right and, now. <laughs> and meanwhile, the North Star is so far away that it never moves. Some guy did an experiment. <laughs> Where he got on a he got a um a, a pipe on his on his porch and and jury rigged it into a position so when he looks through it he could see the north star, um you know so it can't be moved it's looking at the north star every night the north star is there six months later when we're 180 million miles on the other side of the sun you look through it and the north star is still there how is that even possible spinning wobbling flying through space hurtling through the galaxy and the north star never moves. There's only one answer. The the Earth doesn't move, and the stars are rotating around us. Is that is that Sean Sean uh, something McGrady or something? Like uh, you know what? I, I I should know his name, but I I don't. You know, I I try to try to. He's been on he's been on Mark's show. Oh yeah, you know that that is the guy. You're correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's it interesting too because he's uh, also in the military and been on ships and does the the uh, that certain so, missile the missile thing and uh, right. Shoots a pencil-thin radar 60 miles to light up a target. Impossible on a ball earth at sea level. It can't be done. So, you know, it's amazing. Jaron brings up a, a great point, and we're just waiting for someone to illustrate it possibly. When you look at the sun, you can't see the stars. The sky is blue or cloudy or whatever because the sun is blotting out everything you see. But when the earth spins 12 hours later and the sun is below your feet, when you look up at the sky, you see all of the stars in the universe or in our galaxy or whatever you want, correct? Mm-hmm. That's so, so six months late. So, so the sun is below your feet. You're looking up at in the middle of the night. You're seeing uh, an entire array of stars. Six months later, you're on the opposite side of the sun. And when it's nighttime, you're looking in the opposite direction than you would be at nighttime six months earlier across the galaxy away from the opposite side of the sun. You should see an entirely new set of stars, but we don't. We see a lot of the same stars. Now, some could argue, well, if you look up you know, to the north, you know, you'll see some of the same stars. Okay, 
some of that might be true. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. But you should see an entirely different picture, but that's not what we see. We see the same stars with slight variations um, year after year, season after season, decade after decade. Hmm. Yeah, just the, the evidence just piles up. <laughs> and the evidence, <laughs> the evidence shows us how deeply rooted the academic world has covered this up. I mean, you know, in, in like, you know, I, I know certain where I go. I mean, I haven't tried to introduce the flat earth to somebody just boom, 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 but, uh, it's so deeply. I mean, when you realize the deception that every academic, my, my good friend, his, his name is Dave and, and uh, he, he, he's got a college education. He got straight A's when he went to college. And, and uh, I asked him, I said, I said, Dave, I said, uh, when, when did you question whether, that we weren't a spinning ball, you know, heliocentric, geocentric? And he said, from you, Walt. And I, in other words, he went, now listen, he, this, is the, this is really interesting. He went through college and they, they blasted him. They attacked him at all angles on evolution, but they didn't, they don't, when you go through anymore, they don't even talk about heliocentric, geocentric, because see, they've got, they've got it, they've got it hooked. They've got the lie so deeply hooked that they don't have to even talk about it. See, people don't even talk about it. Where where else can you talk about it unless you're in a flat you're right, talking. because because they figured it out 500 years ago. They they've already proven the Earth is a ball 500 years about, years ago. So my question is, how'd they do it? How'd they prove it? With a telescope. <laughs> with, with with a telescope. Well, so what Galilee. did they see? Show me. What did they? What? Where is yeah. the proof the Earth is a ball? And then well, their second well, argument got... is because we know it's a ball, you moron. That's that's their second argument. Well, there's that there's that test that uh, what. Two thousand years ago, that guy in, in, uh, in Egypt with the six. Yeah, but oh, with, again, the, with the two with the two obelisks. Yeah, but that works on a flat Earth too, with the sun well, being that, three thousand miles away. That in itself should be a red a red flag for anybody who's done any kind of uh, research. He used two obelisks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, we're talking about. <laughs> why would you, you use two obelisks? I know they were one of the tallest structures around, but you know what? Uh, <laughs> They represent an incredibly occultic and uh, all a satanic message, you know. And so, I, when I heard that he was using two obelisks, I was like, "Wow, that's a big red flag." I, that's something that I probably shouldn't t- take too much <laughs> stock in, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, ways. Uh, Dave, I don't want to keep you too long. We've been on here for actually, I, I do want to keep you. I want to keep you here for another couple of hours, but I know you got other things to do. I'm so. Um, I uh, any closing comments on either one of you gentlemen? Go ahead, Walt. You want to say something? Okay. Uh, well, I, I listen. I I, I really uh, have enjoyed this fellowship, and because uh, because uh, uh, it was my idea. I told Michael. I said uh, that I want to say something to, uh, that that David brought up. Uh, uh, on, on the where did the towers go by Judy Wood? I mean, uh, I mean, I've got the book and I've sent it to a friend right now. I want to get it back because I'm I'm dying now to really read that book from cover to cover. 
the, the book is intimidating when you first see it. I'm like, God, oh, it's yeah. all technical yeah. stuff. A fifth grader can read it. You just sit yeah. down. She explains it yeah. so simple. Um, I did the same thing. I had it for a year, and I skipped around. I looked at this. I'm like, ah, I got all this. I got this. And then I was talking to Dr. Wood, and I asked her a question, and she goes, did you read my book? And I felt like two inches tall, and I read it over the weekend, and I've read it three times since then, and I'm ready to read it again. It's, it's it, Again, uh, that book, you, you said it's like $45. It's becoming more difficult to find. You, know, you can find them on eBay. You can find it on Amazon sometimes. Um, you shouldn't have to pay more than about 50 bucks for it. But uh, if you don't have it, you got to get it. It's, it's a well-made book, nice paper, good color, high quality. And it's a book that you'll never give up, and you shouldn't give it out to friends unless you have an extra copy. <laughs> it, it, and my comment to, to why is it how, – what does it relate to flat earth? If you look how, how Judy looks at the evidence and how she – you know, I mean, in other words, she's giving you the evidence – she sticks to the to the evidence, but I, but I like I said I I have to be be honest with you. I it, it's overwhelming. Just I mean it's it's overwhelming the amount of evidence she's got. Now I'm looking. I'm really because I've had it for over a year myself, and I have not read it from cover to cover. And I and because of you, David, I am going to be reading that book cover to cover. Thanks. Oh. Yeah, you know it's it is it's it is nice to know that there are people out there that are brave enough to express what they know to be, at least you know the truth that they have found, um, the discoveries that they found, even if it bucks the majority, and uh, willing to face the fire. And what the fire really is is um, to be ostracized and to be uh, you know ridiculed, made fun of, and. Uh, Nobody really wants to go through that, but it's a necessary process if we are ever going to wake up ourselves or wake up anybody else. So to be willing to even bring up the truth, uh, like uh, folks are doing, like Dave, about the flat earth and what happened in 9-11, or Judy Wood, what she's done, you know, it takes courage, and uh, we should applaud it. So, uh, Dave, before we go, I'd love you to go over again, um, your website, your Facebook page, and et cetera, so that people... Right. So everything can be found at deep inside the rabbit hole. There's links on the front page. Um, you go across the top, there's links to you know, 9-11, all the different aspects of 9-11, Sandy Hook, Boston, the, the Paris hoax, Charlie Hebdo, I think, is on there. Um, check out the, the Muammar Gaddafi page. We've been lied to about who he is. Um, That's true. He did, yeah. True. The, the, check out the, Ameri- the, the Great Man-Made River, the greatest achievement in construction history, and uh, the U.S. blew it up with you, you, uh, you know, depleted uranium bombs. Um, and watch the one-hour documentary on Gaddafi um, that's on that page. They've almost wiped it off the Internet. Um, and uh, check it out. And, uh, again, it's an hour, and the last uh, 10 minutes will make you cry, and uh, you'll realize that you know, some of the truth that were being hidden from us. Um, I've got a lot of stuff on there. Um, you know, I have my Facebook pages, Exposing the Big Three, uh, Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole, and Baller Skeptic. Again, all of them linked on Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole. Um, and that's it. You know, listen to me on talknetwork.com. Uh, uh, check it out. There's a lot of good shows on there. Uh, my, my show is Truth is Stranger Than Lies. It airs live 9 p.m. on uh, Monday night Pacific time tuesday morning 12 a.m here and um that's it 
Hmm. And that's about the same time as Jared uh, Globusters, right? <laughs> um, I, I no, I think I'm after, I think I'm late. But again, um, okay. you don't have, you don't have to listen live because you can just go to the archives, download the MP3s, throw them on your you know your iPod on your phone or whatever, and take them with you and listen. You know, that's how I listen to most of my research. I download a, a podcast player that has the ability to speed things up too. So if somebody is talking a little slower than I like, I listen to double speed and uh, get through it in half the time. Sure. What what uh, interviews do you have coming up? Um, I am going to be on. Um, well, I have to. I'm doing another episode of Truth Is Stranger Than Lies, and then uh, tom, tom, I'm uh, I'm debating uh, Jim Fetzer on Wednesday. The oh really? Yeah, yeah. On the flat that earth. That should be very interesting, Jim Fetzer. Uh, yeah. I, I you know um. Well, and I'm doing the Sage of Quay on Tuesday. Um, he he, does, he has an interesting show at uh, YouTube based, and uh, it goes on a couple of radio networks. But you'll be able to find that. And uh, all of those links uh, I usually put up on the appropriate Facebook page. So depending are, on what are they, are, like is Jim and these guys are they reaching out to you or are you reaching out to them? Um, I have some communication with Jim Fetzer. We worked uh, um, together on a lot of Sandy Hook research. I worked with Sophia Smallstorm. And uh, Sophia is awake to the flat earth, and she's been coming out. She interviewed me uh, and a couple other people not too long ago. You can find um, Sophia's podcast what, on, what's, on. What's what's the prediction there with Jim Fester? Six, um, about six more a year before he becomes a flat earther. <laughs> he is gonna he's gonna obliviate his uh, astrophysics. Uh, um, you know, knowledge, and he will not even be able to hear the truth. I, I'm trying to get him to do it in a in a debate where, like, he brings up a point that proves the Earth is a ball, and then I respond. But he says, "Nope, you, I'll go 30 minutes, and you go 30 minutes." And he goes, "And so I'm going to go first. Um, I already have the 10 points that he's going to bring up to prove the Earth is a ball, and they're all ridiculous." Um, and then we'll see what happens. I'm going to try to blow it out in 10 or 15 minutes and then use the rest of my time to have him uh, try to counter or ask me questions. We're on your side, brother. We're on your <laughs> side. Hey, uh, what? Uh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you too. You were mentioning a lady. Um, who was that again? That... Sophia Smallstorm. Okay, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're probably familiar with her. She did uh, one of the first movies on 9-11 called 9-11 Mysteries. If you haven't seen that, it's on YouTube. Check it out. She also did Unraveling Sandy Hook in two, three, four, and five dimensions. Another uh, groundbreaking presentation at the I think it was at the Free Your Mind conference. That's on YouTube, linked up on uh, on my on my um, Sandy Hook video page on Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole. Um, the problem is, you know, that video is an hour and forty minutes long, and somebody that doesn't believe something isn't going to watch something that long. But if you sit down and watch it, it's uh, it's really good. And if you want to know more about Sandy Hook, I, I was also uh, one of the researchers on We Need to Talk About Sandy Hook, also on YouTube, also linked up on my uh, on my website. Um, and uh, Sophia also did a, a, an amazing presentation on Morgellons disease, um, which uh, if you know anything about it, you've probably seen her video, and it's it's horrifying and shocking. Um, just search uh, Sophia Smallstorm Morgellons. And her her website, I'd like to plug it, is uh, about the sky, about aboutthesky.com, and just go down to her blog, which is amazing, and her podcast. Again, you can download them um, and take them with you and listen at your leisure. Everything it's all free there. 
very generous of you, my friend. Please stay on. Don't hang up on me. We're, we're going to end the show now. So, once again, folks, um, Dave Weiss, David Weiss, and it was a great uh, show, great interview, great conversation. Is uh, and thank you, Walt. Uh, like you said, Walt, it, believe it or not, Dave, you just experienced what church was always supposed to be about. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, hopefully we have more more of that. So. Uh, for those who are listening and those who will listen in the future, um, God bless and take care. And remember, there are many things out there that we don't know. We have to be willing to um, open up our eyes and to listen to others and be able to develop what we've always been talking about, was, which is discernment. So, All right, with that, God bless and take care. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.